may never look at any town or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. And welcome, folks, to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, where we're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania, where we broadcast every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Folks, glad to have you uh, listeners checking in from all over the world. Um, got a, several emails from people in Europe uh, wanting additional information. Uh, about the Orlando situation, and we do have news that you're not going to hear elsewhere. Uh, folks, let me tell you this. Uh, our sources uh, suggest that a second arrest, there is another person of interest, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, is this being reported uh, on the mainstream, on the, on the corporate media, Joe? Um I did see a link to a a second person uh, right. being sought after. I don't know. Uh, there's been a lot of confusion in the mainstream media. A lot of interviews have been cut off. Right, right. Um, there but, are some questions, but yes, I did see it on a forum, not on a news okay. site. I'm not sure about no. a link to a a second person. Well, we were getting some information last night, and and I I, I do have to say this: it's difficult um, when when the first reports are almost always incorrect and certainly inconclusive. Um, you have to be very careful when you are reporting, and that's why there's so much irresponsible reporting in the in the not just in the mainstream media, but in the independent media and you have to be extremely careful because a lot of times things are not always as they appear and and so what we like to do is we like to get the information double source it vet the source and as well as vet the information so i can tell you with with certainty and i don't know where this is going to go but there will be or there will be an announcement according to my law enforcement source in orange county florida that a second person was involved at least one more person was involved in this um in, in helping carrying out this attack now that's uh, that's 
what I'm getting right now. Uh, I got today, earlier today. I got last night, uh, 12:30 this morning. That is, and um, in fact, we I had done uh, we had done an update show uh, uh, yesterday afternoon, and then of course I was on with Dave Hodges and Ted Brower both last night. And the bottom line was that I did not have this information. This information didn't come to our offices until 12:30 this morning, when my source from Orange County, who I met first met in 2005 or 2006 um i'm not going to go any further except to say he's with a law enforcement agency in florida uh said look you're going to be hearing some things about a secondary shooter you know i'm, I'm i'll get back with you with respect to the, the veracity of this information or a second uh or an accomplice let me be very clear in my words an accomplice and um shortly thereafter he, contacted me back and said look we're um there appears to be another person of interest who assisted in carrying out this uh terrorist attack now i'm not clear at this moment whether this person was on site or just in the background but definitely a co-conspirator in this um in this massacre and i would say uh just from uh the preliminary research I've been able to do, there is a lot more here than being reported. Yes. You have a uh, contracted employee through the Department of Homeland Security that is the alleged uh, uh, mastermind and the one who carried out these attacks. The attack was on a homosexual nightclub. Credit has been given to ISIS as the shooter... Um, had bragged in his past. Uh, he had been investigated by the FBI three separate times. Um, one of those right. times was in reference to his talking with coworkers about his Al Nusra family yeah, Al-Nusra. affiliations. Yep. Yep. Even though ISIS and Al Nusra are enemies, uh, from what I understand, well, and Hezbollah, they're ideologically um, there are some ideological differences, but regardless, and, yeah. they're looking at they've got the same uh, end game objective. And the, and the shooter called and pledged his allegiance to ISIS, allegedly before the attacks took place. Uh, I say allegedly because there is an eyewitness who was a, a injured victim at the shooting yep. who swears he saw this man. Uh, who carried out the shooting, sitting at the bar drinking before last call. The question then is has to be asked, where did he hide the AK-47 uh, or AR-15 or whatever the... Uh, oh, where the long gun? Yeah, and, and, and this brings us to another point. The anti-homosexual violence and uh, with, with gun violence. And there is going to be calls for uh, disarmament, for gun control, strict gun control laws. And it's going to fuel the lobby of anti-homosexual. It's linking anti-homosexuality with terror. And this is being done on purpose, I believe. Well, Well, yes, as we said yesterday, the end game objective here is clear. It's to take away our rights to carry firearms. It is to take away our rights to um, criticize, be critical of the behavior, the homosexual behavior, okay, um, and uh, to, to as well as other issues, hot-button issues. So this is an attack not only 
uh, physical attack, but an attack that's being exploited to to further erode our First and Second Amendment rights and other rights, including our Fourth Amendment rights, as you'll see, calls for um, places like Apple or, or whatever encryption, whatever device has encryption, the encryption and privacy is going to be out the window. But um, and the ISIS thing, I, I, I want to finish my thought yeah, on that before on. I forget. Go on. The uh, ISIS claiming credit. Uh, they are allowing this to happen. They are propagating this narrative because they want us to know or think that ISIS is a force to be reckoned with here in America. Uh, saying this man was a lone wolf who is affiliated with ISIS. Right. When there was no connections to ISIS. There's also an article on Fox News. Um, Islamic radicals want to kill all of us, gay, straight, Christian, and Jew. Um, and, and that is true. Uh, and also, you know, the ISIS connection here, they want us to, like Homeland Security says, see something, say something. Uh, you know, basically there's, you know, watch your neighbor, watch your parents, because they could be terrorists. This plays into that narrative. Um, well, yes, absolutely. Let me just give you a, a kind of an outline right now of, of uh, the shooter and the background, the necessary background. I'm going to do this very quickly okay. here, all right? And then some... some uh, the outline, the things you need to know, and then a couple of, uh, not rabbit trails, but a couple of important, uh, side roads here, and then the larger game plan, but just very quickly about the shooter, just, and again, we, we have a lot of people tuning in from Europe, and I want to say hello to you folks, um, even in real time, and, uh, I'm sure many will be listening via archive, but and also in the show tonight, Jerome Corsi, last yeah. hour, last half of last, last half hour, hour, will be with okay. us, and we'll get his take on matters uh, that we're talking about as well. Okay. Now, um, uh, Omar Mateen was born on November 16th, 1986. He was an Ameri- He was born in in America. Now, Donald Trump was uh, did, did, did a speech today, and he may. I, I don't know. I, I I heard not that it matters, but I heard something. I heard someone say that uh, he might have placed the the uh, Mateen's uh, uh, location of birth in Afghanistan. But yeah, regardless of that, from my, uh, right, right. That he was brought here and born here. All right, uh, he was born here. Now. He was identified, absolutely identified as the perpetrator at the Pulse Orlando shooting. He had been employed for five years with G4S. It's a British company. We said yesterday, with its, it's a multinational British owned company with its headquarters in Jupiter, Florida. Folks, remember G4S because this will play into a number of things, including Hillary, Diane Rodham Clinton. As well as the the Department Department of Homeland Security. Yes. Now, after high school, for a few years after high school, he, uh, Mateen worked at a GNC store and was friends with both homosexual and lesbian uh, waiters at a nearby restaurant. Now, think about that for a moment. It's, it's kind of important to understand the where he's coming from or where he was back then. He ran with his father. A religious nonprofit organization called the Durand Jurga Inc. All right. Now his father is Mir Siddiqui or Siddiq, depending on how how you want to pronounce that last name, who lives in Port St. Lucie, Florida. He was um, Omar lives in uh, Port uh, St. Lucie, Florida. Now Omar's dad, Mir Siddiq, is affiliated was affiliated with the Taliban. The family 
is ethnic Pashtun. That's an important tribal distinction. All right, now, his father, Mir Sadiq, Mir Siddiqui, uh, also ran for the president of Afghanistan last year. You can find numerous YouTube videos of Mir Sadiq, the father of the shooter, um, in, 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 uh, in a foreign language, of course, but, uh, uh, running for the, uh, the office of the presidency. Of course, that never materialized. But nonetheless, you've got a political family, active political family in Arab slash Islamic politics, Muslim politics. Where did Omar go to mosque? Where did he worship? And, and this is something that people need to understand too. Mosques, in, uh, they're different from churches. They're different from synagogues. Mosques, uh, the majority of them are, and Islamic centers are indoctrination centers. And there's a lot of seditious speech taking place at mosques. Anti-American, anti-Jew, anti-Christian speech, and a lot of hate speech taking taking place at mosques. Now that's the, uncomfortable um, the, to, to hear. Perhaps. The Fort Pierce Islamic Center is where Mateen worshipped yes. several times a week. It was under investigation by both the FBI and the DHS as as early as 2011 for ties to worldwide Islamic um, movement known as the uh, Taoblite. Well, well, Jamal, which yeah. linked to several terrorist organizations. Now, the interesting part of this, uh, which can be found on InfoWars, is Hillary. Uh, J- Jamal, by the way, but Hillary Clinton's State right. Department blocked investigations into right the killer's mosque. There Further proof Hillary fu- f- uh, fueled the rise of ISIS. Sorry for jumping again on that one. I just no, sure the, the, all that. the facts are right there. Okay. So you go ahead and and, uh, and uh, go through that. But yes, uh, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, Clinton did not uh, allow for the mosque uh, investigation when, in fact, there was evidence of activity against the uh, security of the United States. And go through that. Go yeah, ahead. The, it's being reported that the United States Department of State, while Hillary Clinton served as the Secretary of State, blocked investigations into the mosque that was attended by Omar Mateen, the Islamic terrorist that carried out the worst mass shooting in U.S. history, uh, at Orlando nightclub on Sunday morning. According to the recent report, Hillary Clinton's State Department did not investigate the Orlando Killers Mosque because it unfairly singled out Muslims, which is more staggering proof that the left's ideology of political correctness is indirectly leading to innocents being murdered. A news article published by InfoWars noted that the Force Pierce Islamic Center, where Mateen worshipped several times a week, Later, uh, was in, under investigation by the, both the FBI and the DOJ back to 2011. But the investigation was shut down under pressure from the Clinton-ran State Department and the Department of Homeland Security, Civil Rights, and Civil, Civil Liberties Office out of fear of offending Muslims, well, according okay. to a recently retired DHS agent, Phil Haney. All right, November 19, 2015. Check Hillary Clinton's Twitter feed. November 19th, 2015. Let's be clear. Islam is not our adversary. Muslims are peaceful and tolerant people and have nothing whatsoever to do with terrorism. That is Hillary Rodham Clinton's Twitter, from Twitter, her Twitter feed. And that was November 19th, 2015. <laughs> and after this attack happened, she said it was not a terror related attack. Only having to walk that back today and say it was uh, radicalized Islamic terrorist who carried out the attack. 
That's right. So, you know, round of applause to Hillary. There you go. For finally telling a truth in the public arena for the first time but in her life. But she tempered that statement, though. She tempered it. Well, and it, was a, it was a good try. Yeah. I mean, for somebody who lies every time they speak, for a half-truth to come out, I mean, that's like progress. Well, all right, indeed. And we covered yesterday the fact that uh, the political affiliation of the shooter, of course, Mateen was a Democrat, uh, according to state records. Why is that important? It, 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 it's really not by itself, but when you look at the affiliations, um, you've got to just throw everything into the profile. Okay, so uh, he's got no. Mateen had no previous criminal record. He was clean in 2006. He legally changed his name from Omar Mir Siddiqui uh, to Omar Mir Siddiqui Mateen, picking up Mateen. Now his ex-wife says that he was physically abusive during during uh, the course of their brief marriage, and his parents had to rescue her or her parents. I'm sorry. Her parents had to rescue her from that relationship. Uh, She said also that Mateen was was um, uh, taking uh, steroids, abused steroids, and was uh, diagnosed as being bipolar. That's uh, that's according to his ex-wife. Now, um, and did you see, uh, I know you have a stack of papers there, so that's right. you're going through them one by one, but that it has been confirmed that the FBI introduced the Florida shooter to other informants. Yes. Um, it's now been confirmed in addition to two investigations and two interviews, Florida terror suspect Omar Mateen was also approached by informants working for the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigations over a period of 10 months. New York Daily News in their article FBI spied on Orlando Gay Club terrorist Omar Mateen for 10 months in 2013 uh, under director James Comey of the FBI uh, Mateen first appeared on the authorities' radar in 2013 after the security guard's colleagues alerted the FBI to inflammatory statements made to colleagues claiming family connections to al-Qaeda, according to Comey. Mateen had also told co- co-workers he had a family member who belonged to Hezbollah, a Shia network that is a bitter enemy of ISIS, the network he pledged allegiance to the night of the carnage. Comey noted, the FBI Miami office opened an inquiry into Mateen. He said he hoped that law enforcement would raid his apartment and assault his wife and child so he could martyr himself. Um, It goes on to say that the significance of this cannot be understated. Informants in this context, according to the FBI affidavits regarding similar counterterrorism investigation, refer to individuals posing as members of terrorist groups who approach suspects, coerce them into planning and preparing terrorist attacks before finally aiding the FBI in the suspect's arrest before the attack is actually carried out. Mm-hmm. There have been many, many, many um, examples of this in the past where FBI handlers had approached someone they believe has become radicalized, given them weapons, munitions, and whatnot, uh, this is from the FBI's own affidavits, which are on a PDF you can find at blacklistnews.com. And it talks about in detail in the FBI PDFs how, uh, in some cases, they've given, uh, you know, six or seven AR-15s to uh, suspects. Others they've given explosives to or dummy explosives in some cases. And that uh, the news site, The Intercept, revealed that an FBI informant, not Medina, came up with the idea of crediting the planned attack to the Islamic State. I mean, this attack, 
Uh, the Intercept, in its recent article, before nightclub shooting, FBI pursued questionable Florida terror suspect, uh, would note the FBI Miami office who investigated Mateen has been among the Bureau's most active and aggressive counterterrorism units. And it also goes on to say that they would uh, credit this attack to the Islamic State upon reading the FBI's affidavit on this. It is clear the FBI informant encouraged and walked Medina through every aspect of the planned attack, including provoking him with what he thought was an explosive device. It goes pretty deep here. Yeah. It, uh, we are looking at uh, a number of complex relationships with respect to the FBI's involvement in 2013. That's that's when the FBI first opened an investigation into uh, Mateen, into Omar Mateen, to see if it, if he had ties to terrorist groups. The investigation, of course, as we said yesterday, and we're going to reaffirm, was in fact and verify that it was uh, uh, as a result of a tip from coworkers from his position as a security guard at G4S. Now the investigation stopped when the FBI could not confirm any actual terrorist ties, but uh, according to our sources, yes, there were, there was some anti, well, there there's a lot of rhetoric there. Uh, Daniel Gilroy, a former co- co-worker, said that, uh, well, described Matinas unhinged, saying hateful things and talked about killing people all of the time. Okay. So uh, he also said that Omar stalked and harassed him by sending him roughly 30 phone and text messages a day. Now, this uh, Daniel Gilroy alleges that even after he told the people at G4S about this behavior, no action was taken since Omar Mateen was Muslim and that he had to quit since he couldn't take the abuse. That's Daniel Gilroy saying, look, i, I got to get out of here. I can't take this anymore. Now, there was another co-worker who came forward. His name is Eric Baumer. He said that he, meaning Omar, had bad things to say about everybody, blacks, Jews, homosexuals, many politicians, and even our soldiers. He had a lot of hate in him. He told me, meaning Eric Baumer, that America destroyed Afghanistan. Okay, so in 2014, Omar was investigated by the FBI again for potential links uh, to an American suicide bomber in Syria. Moner L, or Moner uh, Abu Saw, uh, yeah, Salah, uh, but found that the connections were, in their words, well, negligible. All right, now, despite being investigated twice for links to terrorism, Omar was legally able to purchase an AR-15 rifle and a 9mm semi-automatic pistol. Or, I'm sorry, more than one, perhaps, 9mm semi-automatic pistols from the St. Lucie uh, Shooting Center, which he used uh, during the shooting. All right, now, um, we also have information, and I'm not sure if any of this I, I don't know how much of this is on the mainstream media that that Omar Mateen had indeed uh, sought and conducted surveillance of other um, other locations including Disney World yes and, yes okay. that's on is the that, mainstream news okay. that he did scout uh, Disney World and that they think that that was his primary target but for some reason 
that changed. Also, it's being reported in the mainstream news on the top of Drudge, actually, that a second suspect is being sought in connection to this Orlando nightclub shooting. And there is also the issue at hand of the doors being held shut from the outside as the the two gentlemen who uh, were responsible for that have been apparently identified and interviewed basically saying that they held the door shut as they hear heard the shots continuing to grow louder and closer towards them and were afraid that the shooter was going to come outside and shoot them it's unknown how many deaths if any uh, holding those doors shut led to but apparently it saved lives of those outside if the gunmen were to come outside there were about 20 people they're trying to escape through a hole in the fence who uh, were not injured or killed in the shooting because the shooter did not make his way outside those doors. It's also being reported that there was potentially two shooters, um, as met these things usually do. As and as, as, you know, again, we, we perhaps, I, I don't know, it, um, I've not been able to listen to the independent media or any media today. Yeah, um, I haven't but, but, um, I don't know if, if this is being reported anywhere else, but we're, we're, we've got it on solid ground that, that there was an accomplice. Now, you said two shooters. I don't know this about is, that. Uh, on InfoWars right now, uh, Pulse attack survivor. There were multiple gunmen. Witness claims right. single shooter narrative is false. So that's what I'm basing this on. All right. And, uh, we will see as the, uh, time progresses and as the investigation continues what breaks in the case and what, uh, you know, we will find out, at least as the mainstream media presents it, what their truth is versus the independent media and alternative media and their findings and what their truth is. And we're going to have to decipher uh, between them all and look for the actual truth. Not to get too far off topic here, I want to kind of tell a, a humorous story, Dan. I didn't tell you this yet. But um yesterday... I was uh, with my wife, me and my wife were having a, a good day, and uh, I went to my mother's for dinner, but just before I went to my my mother's, I got a call from my dad, and he mentioned the attack, and I had not heard or seen what was going on, so I had about a half hour before I needed to be at my mother's, and uh, I called her, asked her if we could eat earlier, because we did an hour show last night that you can find on YouTube if you want after the show's over. Um, it was a special one-hour Sunday report on the Atlanta shooting. Well, long story short, uh, I, I check out the news, and I'm at my mom's house, and on my iPhone I have a, a news function feature that you can put all your favorite news sites on and go through them, and I was reading through different things and made it over here in time. Well, um, when I was when we were on the air, and I looked at the mirror here before I left, and I... And my hair grows funny. It grows, the sides grow out, and it grows real fast. So when I got home, I thought I was going to save some money on a haircut. What would you do, whip out a Floby? I have an actual hair trimmer. But what I did was, and you can't tell now because I had to go get my haircut today, I gouged a big hole in my, <laughs> in my head. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I was using a comb and everything, trying to get it right. Uh, just advice out there. Don't try to cut your own hair, uh, especially if you uh, uh, don't have any experience in it. But I didn't tell you that. I mean, I if I would have came in today, you would have sent me home. 
So I had to go get a haircut today before I got here, but um, oh, you can actually still see it a little oh. bit right here. There's still a little hole right here. So, so when you went there, when you went to get your haircut, what would they say? I told them I, I had a hat on. Run into a fan or I something? I had a hat like on, and I told the lady, I said, I, I tried to do some self-barbering, and she laughed at me when I took my hat off. And my yeah. wife was with me, and she was laughing too, and the lady fixed it, thankfully. But I, I just thought that was funny. I wanted to wow. tell the story. Well, that explain well, that explains a few things, right? No, <laughs> no, that is kind of humorous in, in terms of um um okay, wow. Well, next time j- just shave it all off. And, and yeah, your your hair uh, Yeah, I'll just get a haircut yeah, next time. For yeah, professionals. All right. Um I also want to bring this to people's attention the uh, this the shooter and again, a lot of this is for people overseas who are not getting the uh, getting the uh, news. But Omar Mateen was a follower of a, of a specific imam. Now, this imam preached hatred of homosexuals and, and and Christians and Jews and essentially hatred of anyone non uh, non Muslim. Uh, he was recently released from prison, this imam, despite the warnings from prosecutors that he had terror ties. Now, who is this imam? Well, and his father, too, is very pro-Islamic. Of course. Very radical and possibly fundamental imam. Radical. I, I would imagine that this, this, uh, Omar was turned on to this imam probably through his father. Well, okay. See, Mateen took lessons in the Islamic religion from Marcus Dwayne Robertson. This guy is a former gang leader from New York who lives in Florida, and he's been accused of helping terrorists, according to a couple of news outlets, including Fox News. Now we've been uh, we've been uh, uh, actively pursuing, not watching, but but uh, looking at the different uh, printed reports or reports in print and some of the some of the um, transcripts of uh, news shows, and found out that this is being reported. Now it's no coincidence that this happened in Orlando. Um, a team was enrolled in this uh, Marcus Dwayne Robertson on his online fundamental Islamic knowledge seminary. Okay. Now Robertson, who the, um, who the report said openly enthusiastically preached against things such as homosexuality, spent four years in prison for floor in Florida for weapons violations and tax fraud. Now the, the latter is a, uh, 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 yeah, Employed as a as a contractor for the U.S. government through security company? No, 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 no. This is no, no, no. Okay, the imam, the okay, imam, right, right. And um, uh, actually, the the IRS had found that this imam who was in prison, in in part because of tax fraud, the tax fraud had to do with uh, uh, money being used to send a colleague. Overseas for terror training, and see, they let this guy out of prison. Now, you've got to follow the dots of Marcus Dwayne Robertson, this gang leader from New York, which turns in turn goes tang- has ties at least on the periphery. This Dwayne, uh, Marcus Dwayne Robertson to the Pakistani Sheikh. Oh, um, uh, 
Mubarak Ali Jalani. Okay, now, from Pakistan. Now, this seems a little bit odd because uh, Mateen's father is anti-Pakistan. All right. There's a lot of differing ideology here. So how is that possible? Well, it doesn't matter because the training, the paramilitary training in the association of Marcus Wayne Robertson, allegedly, have to say that, to the uh, uh, Quranic Institute, which we conducted surveillance on in upstate New York at the Catskill Mountains, the um um islamberg all right there there are ties here to this paramilitary training so when we folks here's the thing when we said when we reported on the paramilitary training in urban and rural areas especially in new york which we laid eyes on we had eyes on we reported through surveillance. We talked to the neighbors. We showed images of school buses shot up. We showed the images of the camps, uh, paramilitary training camps. Mm-hmm. We provided the documentation from from witnesses who saw these these uh, uh, men primarily the training, the yeah, terror training right. that was going on. You know, and places not only where we were, but other places in in near Dearborn, Michigan. There's one in Florida. Uh, I believe there's one out in Montana. Right out the police Virginia. will not yeah. even go into these places. Of course not. These, uh, I mean, we, we, the one we went to in Buffalo was an old uh, armory. Yep. And it had uh, old school bus, yellow school buses there full of holes that people were... You know, doing training exercises, scaling walls with weapons on them. Now, but let you, me be clear because I don't want to get sued here. Okay, the 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 school bus was in Islamburg. Okay, in in. Uh, uh, I thought that was in Buffalo. No, right. the one okay. in Buffalo was the video footage of the young men being taught how to scale walls. Now, scale this was okay. denied by the. And imagine leader. this: you're in a neighborhood. The na- this neighborhood surrounds this armory. The armory is owned by Muslims that use it for training grounds. And the people that live in the houses around the area are also, I would say, radicalized Muslims because they <clears throat> would not allow surveillance type of activities to take place there. Sure. We, they we would, would give you dirty out. looks. They would, you know... Uh, make veiled references to having weapons on them, um, being very aggressive in their uh, conf- confrontations about what you're doing there in their neighborhood. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you had, you're, you'd be run out. So all of this said, where are we at here looking at this? So, But that's not the problem. See, the guns are the problem, right. and, the, and the homophobia is a problem, and the anti-illegal uh, immigration is the problem. That, I mean, that's that's, right. that's who we blame for all this because that's, right. that's uh, what they tell us to blame. Well, D- Dave Hodges was correct to the extent that he he is saying can consider a Tet like offensive against fifty American cities by ISIS. Now he wrote this column today, and uh, we, according to his insider sources. 
Um, he, he, I'll just say this. Um, he was one of the very first to, to say that uh, that events related to Benghazi, the quality of the sources, you know, were, was was right on target. Now, uh, he, he reports in this article that uh, in '68, right after the LBJ, LBJ was repeatedly telling the American people that, that we were winning the Vietnam War, the Viet Cong attacked every single capital in every single South Vietnam province. Well, he, what what? Uh, Dave Hodges' inside sources are saying is, look, they're going to use the Tet, the Tet Offensive from Vietnam, the North Vietnamese Tet Offensive, as a template for attacks here in the United States. All right. I've got similar information, not to the extent that Dave Hodges has, but I'm, I will say this. Right now, as we speak, according to the activity on the forums and message boards in Arabic and Farsi that we monitor, there are attacks being planned and uh, there are assets in place all across the United States and uh, uh, to hit soft targets. Shopping centers, including schools and theme parks, sports uh, yeah. events. He was uh, seeing um, at least a well, dozen... This is Mateen now uh, you're talking yeah, about, Mateen. right? was seen over uh, a dozen times at this nightclub before the shooting took place. Right. Also, he was spotted at Disney World in April. Right. According to a manager who wanted to remain anonymous, and FBI Director James Comey said his agency was trying to nail down that report that possibly linked Mateen to scouting the amusement park as a potential target, according to the Associated Press. Now, this is all before the shooting took place. Right, right, and, and you're going to find that uh, you, you will see, uh, and, and this is something you're, you're going to find in, in in the days ahead. People uh, uh, placing Mateen, as you said, in various locations, including that nightclub. Now, uh, what was his presence there? What was the purpose of his presence? Most will say, and, and I tend to agree with this, it was for, for surveillance. Now, by the way, folks, we don't intend to spend the entire show on this, the shooting, but I, I just want to, again, pull back the cameras, pull back the, the, uh, the aerial view, or, or pull back the view of this so it's not so concentrated on, on this shooting. Just understand this that um, what we're seeing take place today is part of a larger plot. Now, the, you're going to hear people say, well, there's no evidence of, of, of any ties to organized terror groups. Well, I don't know what in the world you call this. When the guy calls the police and tells them he's uh, about to create a, do a mass killing because he's pledging, pledging his allegiance to ISIS, uh, yeah, what more do yeah. you need? And the gun issue is, is a big thing. You know, we've seen uh, Obama come out and say, you know, this might be a reason to uh, further restrict gun measures. You see Clinton coming out saying the same thing, that gun control is needed. But um, neither Clinton nor Obama are in either way qualified or should even have a say in the matter, seeing that Obama has continuously armed Syrian rebels or al-Qaeda in Syria that has led to the massacre of how many thousands of people, not including Fast and Furious, giving guns to drug cartels and other people, and Hillary Clinton selling $150 million to $500 million worth of arms to Saudi Arabia when she was in the State Department. But they want gun restrictions here in this country. And Hillary Clinton pledged to... Um 
to, to in, instill gun restrictions should she become the next uh, yeah. president. And, and I take her at her word. We saw her as co-president in the uh, w- w- when the Brady Bill was passed. Well, yeah. I, look, the the, the and, end game here is to take away our rights, First and Second Amendment. And based on the 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 gun laws that there are today, uh, this man had no criminal record. This shooter, he was a security guard. He not only was able to buy a gun, he owned guns. He was as eligible to buy as many guns as he want. He applied for a state security guard license that allows him to hold and carry a firearm. He passed a psychological exam. He had no criminal record. He could buy as many guns as he want, as he was not a convicted felon, facing felony charges or misdemeanor or domestic charges, domestic violence charges. He was not a drug abuser, a fugitive. He was the subject of a domestic violence injunction. Um, yeah. Someone in the country illegally, someone who'd been dishonorably discharged from the military, he was not. Uh, he was found by a judge to be mentally uh, competent, or he was not found by a judge to be mentally incompetent. You can, this article says you cannot be deprived of rights because of an accusation. Uh, if you were to go by the laws that are in place for gun restrictions, aside from the FBI probes. Of his, due to his, uh, talking about and talking up terrorism and violence, which should have been the, the biggest red flag uh, of the gun buying process, um, that was not counted. He legally was allowed to purchase as many guns as he wanted, going through the background checks that Obama has, has touted, going through the screening, uh, criminal screening and psychological screening Obama has touted as these great gun control measures. But, but s- stop there because you, <laughs> here is, here's how I see it, okay? Here in this country, and I've said this before, I said this on the Hodges, Dave Hodges show and, and Ted Brower show and our show and every show I, I, I can, I'm allowed to say this. It's my view, personal view, my professional assessment that Islam is not a religion. We've, uh, you, you know this. It is, it is masquerading as a religion or being presented as a religion when in fact, by definition, it is more of a cult slash political operation or ideology. Okay, um, it is not first a religion. Now, having said that, all right, when you if you classify Joe, if you classify Islam because of of its unique characteristics in terms of Sharia law and um, the archaic nature, the arcane laws um, that are related to the the the, the true Islam. Some call it radical, others call it fundamental. Why not just call it Islam? See, yeah, you do, okay. you call it but, true Islam because it, uh, encompasses all that is called for in the Quran, including right. the violence. Now you're gonna have people who don't adhere to that, that true Islamic right. doctrine, and they're called moderate Muslims. However, regardless, if, if, if war was declared against ISIS, and, and this is what, well, I'm not going to get into why it's, uh, but, but we must take a look at every, and I'm so, I'm not, well, not going to be apologetic on this. We must take a look at every person who is a Muslim because Islam is incompatible with 
our representative republic because it requires the implementation of Sharia. Yeah. All right. Even Herman Cain was talking about this on his show today and talking about the mindset of many of these illegal immigrants brought in specifically from places like Syria and in the war-torn Middle East, that they not only bring their families and uh, they bring their ideology and they don't expect to assimilate into our country. They expect the country to bend over backwards and allow them to operate under Sharia law. They want to be able to honor kill their wife if they feel so, because it is not uh, a freedom of their country or something that they want uh, a law from their country to be brought over here. They believe it is their religious duty, which goes beyond the law. It would be like for us in the, to follow the Constitution or to follow the Bible before the Constitution, which is what we should do. But in Islam, right. they believe in carrying out the Islamic law before a national law in the country they right. represent. Right, and, and this is why you're seeing parallel courts develop in Europe, especially in the UK. You're seeing Sharia overtake and replace their laws. So if you want to kill your wife, just say, hey, uh, you know, I well, you converted. Know, and, and we, 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 look, we have um, intimate knowledge and intimate experience with this because M- Muzamil or Mo Hassan from Bridges TV out of uh, out of Buffalo, New York, had we had dialogue. I had dialogue uh, with Mo, this Hassan, the the uh, co-owner, the co-founders, uh, a co-founder of Bridges Television. Now, he, if that sounds familiar, he's the guy that uh, lopped off his wife's, wife's head yep. in the studio mm-hmm. of Bridges TV a number of years ago. I think it was about two years ago, yeah. That was, I think maybe a little yeah, longer yeah. than that. But anyway, uh, I had the FBI come to my home and say, look, you better watch it because Moe's out to, Moe's really hacked off at you. All right? Okay, I mean, pardon the pun. I remember yeah, and, and they, they tossed down a picture of Mo. I mean, we already knew what he looked like. And another gentleman and said, look, we, we can't tell you, we, we can't provide, you know, security for you. you. Can't protect you. But, but we, we just we, want to let you know. let you know, and you might want to just temper your remarks when you're on WBEN out of Buffalo, New York, and talking to Tom Bowerly about Bridges TV. You just might want to not do that. And I said, no, I'm not going to, no. Well, you know, years later. Old Mo uh, kills his wife, and I'm not making light of that that murder, but he did use her head as a soccer ball in. I'm serious in the studios of Bridges Television. Yeah, and, right. and before I forget, uh, yesterday what we reported during our hour segment, there was also a Los Angeles in Los Angeles there was a gay pride parade being held, where a man with an arsenal of explosives and uh, weaponry was arrested in his car allegedly about to carry out a a terrorist attack and it seems that there are other situations brewing around the country there is an active shooter situation in um where is it here um I uh, apologize, give me a minute. There's something going on in Paris, West Virginia. Three dead in West Virginia during an active shooter situation. But it seemed like yesterday that there was <laughs> a number of coordinated attacks to be carried out on the LGBT community through uh, Muslim radicalized men. 
You, you know, we, if you want to, to really solidify a cause or if you want to make martyrs out of people, you kill them. Well, obviously, right? Yeah, how else are you going to make a martyr? Uh, but, but if you really want to increase the visibility of someone's cause, you, you, you kill them. If you want to yeah. create a national or international, um, uh, pity, and, and I'm not saying this divisively or, or I'm not saying this, I'm saying this is a tactic. You, you, I, you kill them. I started watching X-Files recently, the original one, uh, and, it's a show that I've never watched before, but one of the things that keeps reoccurring on these episodes I see is they, the, I think Mulder is the, the male detective or FBI right, agent. Yep. And they yep. keep saying, well, we're not going to kill Mulder. We don't want to make him a martyr. Right. And, right. and, you know, give credence to his life work. Exactly. Well, one more thing before the top of the hour here, and then we, we can go to the larger scope of things and how this all plays into the larger scope. I do want to mention this, and, and this is a conversation, again, that I had with my law enforcement source. I had with with both uh, uh, Ted Brewer and uh, Dave Hodges and a couple of other individuals. When you start doing the math of the people that were killed in this nightclub, you had 50 or 49 dead, uh, 50 with a shooter, but 49 dead. And then uh, upwards, what, another 50 injured, 50, more than 50 yeah. injured, okay? 50 you start 50. counting the bullets. You start counting the ammunition. And you start doing some math. Math figures prominently into this, all right? Generally, if it was an AK or AR-15, you've got similar weight of ammunition, similar mass of ammunition. So, um, you're it was either- a reporter that he had uh, a few Glocks and a long gun. He made purchases maybe a few days to a week prior than from the right, shooting. It was, yes, yes. It was within the week. Okay. Okay, but looking at the math of this, now, and understanding that he had tactical training, you still have to do some math in your head. Where are you going to, um, how are you going to bring all of this, not just the armaments, but the ammunition into the nightclub, the weight the mass of the magazines, whether the magazines, I suspect, were filled. He didn't sit there and reload and fill the magazines. So yeah. when you start doing the math of of the the number of bullets fired... 100% accuracy rate is over 100 bullets. No. If he had 100% well, accuracy rate. If every bullet that yeah. he shot was a hit, that's a minimum that's of assuming, that's, Well, that's assuming it would be 99. That's assuming the other 50, or 50 were um, were injured or uh, shot. What was it, 48 dead, 53? 49, oh, okay. 50 with a shooter. So here's what we're saying. Um, when we look at this and when we're looking at this, and I spoke, to, again, to, to my law enforcement source, the, the math doesn't work out quite simply. Okay, so where... Was was there another person inside? We know there was an accomplice. Yeah. Now, does that mean there was an accomplice inside as well? Because that is a lot of ammunition to carry. Was he in good shape? He was in good shape. However, the math. It's being reported that he was uh, semi-regular at this club. Uh, He also, allegedly, this preliminary reporting has not been verified, had a... Uh, apparently there's a, a gay da- a dating app, uh, Grinder. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. Yeah, I, I'm not. <laughs> apparently a lander shooter was a regular at Pulse, had Grinder profile, 
me, uh, meaning it's a gay dating app for hookups on his phone. Right. Unconfirmed. Well, uh, okay. Um, and I will look to confirm that. Now, now that could be, you know, and on his phone, right, you said? Yes. Now, uh, we know, and I don't know if this is being reported either, that uh, Mateen had an Android uh, as opposed to a smartphone. Okay. Okay, so the encryption process, eh, not as strict as an iPhone. I don't know where that might be. So that could very well be part of the um, behavioral analysis, meaning it could be a, a tactic of surveillance, uh, or you know, or or it could be his proclivities. But bear in mind, you know, he was married and abusive to his first wife and only wife. So, and, but that that's meaningless. And we can't forget here, uh, marriage-wise, the what is allowed to happen with the U.S. news media. There is a a a marriage, a sick marriage between the media, Hollywood, yes, and uh, propaganda. Yes, it is law that the U.S. government is allowed to um, issue propaganda or broadcast propaganda in America under the NDAA, which legalizes the use of propaganda against the public. There is also the United States Air Force cyberspace and information operations psychological warfare studies, and the U.S. recently ended its ban on domestic propaganda last year in a law. So this is something that we have to remember and keep in mind when we listen to mainstream reporting agencies. They're allowed not only to lie to you, but they're allowed to make up the narrative that they want to lie to you about. A lot of this, and we're, by the way, we're going to be talking some of what about this tomorrow night as we are joined by Steve Quayle tomorrow night and Pastor David Langford. Can't wait to get their take. Uh, um, this, well, actually, tomorrow night we're going to be talking about, among other things, the Mandela effect. Good. No, no, good. no, no. Because there's some things you that may I find say out good. But there's some things I find no. out that I'm not too sure about. I think it's more in people's minds than they realize. Well, okay. And Steve and I had a super long conversation about this, and and I said, Steve, all right, you know, I mean, but but you're going to be. That's just a small part part of what we're going to be talking about tomorrow night with uh, Pastor Langford and Steve Quayle. But but he's got some very interesting. Uh, perspective on the Mandela effect. That's tomorrow night, Steve Quayle and Pastor Langford. You're not going to want to miss that. But he had convinced me, based on the totality of information he had provided to me, that you're probably correct in terms of, well, the neuro-linguistic programming that we're seeing here, we are all victims of. We're going to be right back, ladies and gentlemen, after the network news. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you, Global Star, for being there for us. Hang in there. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposed.
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I'm looking uh, at, at our monitors. I'm looking at myself just sitting there. And it's it's interesting. Um, you got an email here uh, to uh, – thank you, Steve. Uh, thank you. Let me just – let me just uh, bring this up. I'm not going to go any further than Steve uh, from the Cleveland, Ohio area, okay? So you, you can call – you can rest assured, Steve, I'm not going to – Breach any confidences. I I've been hearing a couple of things, and, and this the reason I'm I'm citing your email is because uh, I have uh, been hearing this. You're not alone, and I will. We, we're attempting to get the word out. Uh, let's. I'll just end it there. But uh, write Steve, ladies and gentlemen, write Steve. And again, you've got and this is uh, Ohio, where the RNC is going to be uh, held next month. Steve writes this. I just wanted to tell someone who would listen. An event took place this past Saturday. Yeah, the same day as the Florida incident. Well, that incident took place Sunday morning, to be precise, starting at 2 a.m. Now, here's what happened on Saturday, June 11th, just right before 1 o'clock in the afternoon in the in or around Cleveland, Ohio. Steve witnessed three men of Middle Eastern appearance who were casing a gun store, a weapons store. Now, this Steve was um, in a position to see these men. And he, and he says, look, these weren't normal guys. He, he's got the experience. He's, he was in the service Eight plus years. And you know, folks, when you look at something and it doesn't seem quite right, well, Steve had uh, secured some documentation. Let's just put it that Great. way. All right. Great. So, so then, now, now these three Middle Eastern men were wearing backpacks. And anyway, Steve went to the police that day. Was he arrested for a hate crime? Yeah, but you know what? He was turned away. He said, "They said, look, we're not, we're, we're not interested." But now, Steve, if you're listening to this, and I suspect you are, uh, we'll be in contact. All right, um, because we do on a number of issues, and I want to thank you for that information. This does 
it, it is consistent with other uh, situations where uh, facilities or stores that sell weapons and ammunition have been under surveillance by men of Middle Eastern appearance or, you know, some yeah. Arab men. The uh, actual place that sold the, the guns to this shooter in Orlando did not e- was not asked by the ATF <coughs> to close their doors today. They had to close their doors on their own uh, without a direction from the ATF for the ATF to be able to complete their investigation. And this leads into a uh, possibility of a second man being apprehended, as you stated earlier in the program that police are actively looking for a for an accomplice from WFTV dot, uh, news and WFTV.com breaking source arrest to be made soon an alleged accomplice of the Pulse massacre in a different part of the state of Florida. Interesting. Now, we can suspect as well the father. Now, this is not the intelligence information that that we received. And Josh, you want to mic up? Um, oh, but, you know. By the way, um, I'll, I'll just cut in here with this. Eric, the tech, will be back in force tomorrow. Eric, if you're listening to this as you're driving, be careful. Be careful. You got precious cargo. Oh, we should take a poll. Let's see if the audience wants Eric back or or if Josh should stay on. Uh, just kidding, Eric. This could be a mutiny here. I don't know. I talked to Eric before the show. He said he will be back tomorrow. Yeah. And he misses everybody. Of course. And, and Josh is doing a good job at the helm. Um, and we're, we're going to get Josh has taken a few things here in a moment. But, but look, the, the father of, uh, Omar Mateen should be, um, it should be, in, at least in my view, there are a number of things that he could be charged with, as well as others, including local imams in, in Orlando, and that's uh, misprison of a felony, which is, which is, uh, well, you, you can look it up under 18 U.S.C. Uh, Section 4. Uh, whoever, having knowledge of the actual commission of a felony, that's recognized by U.S. law, and conceals that fact, or, or doesn't make that known to law enforcement officials, um, is in fact guilty of uh, misprison of felony and should be fined and imprisoned not more than three years or both. That's under 18 U.S.C. 4, which the in our view the father certainly would qualify, but the, the other suspect is not the father. It is a, an actual... Uh, uh, Colleague, for did, lack of a better word. Did you hear the father uh, issue an, uh, an apology? No, I he, he did. He he issued an apology, uh, and I did not hear it from his mouth. But it was uh, paraphrasing what was reported is that he was, uh, you know, devastated and, and and sorry for the carnage that his son caused. But what was absent from the statement that was read that I did not hear him speak. Uh, are things like what we're hearing about his wife. His wife knew he was a vi- he was violent and uh, allegedly, you know, continuing to move towards the radicalization to the point of uh, carrying out a terrorist attack. His wife knew he was um, at Disney World scouting the right. location out. I believe his dad also had an idea 
that he was becoming radicalized to the point of violence as well. Well, yeah, I don't have any doubt in my mind that, that his father knew of the intent. I don't know if he knew of the, the actual plans, but he knew of the intent. Um, now, how, how will this affect us? And this is extremely important here in the United States. And I can see this on a global level. We, we, we're seeing countries like Canada, um, just to pick one that is that, that is adhering to to this philosophy. And, and Don H, thank you so much for your uh, email to point this out. We saw this earlier and uh, marked it up here for uh, uh, to, to tell people. But um, here in our state. Senator Bob Casey, United States Senator Robert Casey, the son of the former governor, announced that he's introducing legislation that would keep guns out of the hands of those who commit criminal acts based on hate. Now, folks, here you got to follow this, and you have to understand where this is going. The, the Hate Crimes Prevention Act would prohibit the purchase, possession, shipment of a firearm by anyone convicted of a misdemeanor hate crime. A misdemeanor hate crime. And we know these the definitions are so vast. Right. And, and are so objective. They can basically, I could say I don't like the color of Italy's flag and be a hate monger. That's correct. Now, the language here is also to prohibit the sale of firearms to anyone. Now, listen to this. Reasonably suspicious. Suspected to be guilty of a misdemeanor hate crime. Reasonably suspected yes, to be guilty. Yes. You're either guilty of a crime or you have not. Or you, you've either been convicted or, or you're uh, awaiting a trial for the charges that were, were charged against, filed against you or you have not been convicted of a crime. This is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you're looking at thought crime here. But, yeah, but that's Casey, a violation. Yeah, he's also calling for other actions to prevent gun violence, including a ban on and I quote, military-style weapons, limits on uh, magazine sizes, ban, ban on the terrorist, uh, banning anyone on the terrorist watch list from purchasing firearms and universal background checks. Now, well, they already do that with yeah, the terror watch list. Right. But can, can, would they send their weapons to, how would they ban weapons? How would they be able to support ISIS? Exactly. Yeah, well, there you have it. But Even see, a general today, and I don't mean to interrupt. Well, I just, want to, I just want to close this out by saying this is directed at Christians who, who, who speak the, the word of God. And the story, this is about Christians. Go on. A top U.S. general today, uh, Top Army General drops bombshell about Obama as he resigns. A top U.S. Army General with nothing left to lose has publicly admitted something that conservatives have been saying for a long time. The rise of the Islamic State terror group can directly be attributed to President Barack Obama's premature withdrawal of of military forces in Iraq. Outgoing Army Chief Staff General Ray Ordino told Fox News Wednesday that a continued U.S. troop presence in the region would have kept Iraq on a positive track. It's frustrating to watch, he said. I go back to 2007, 2008, 2009, and 2010, and bottom line, what he says, Obama created ISIS. Well, and not only that, built it up, funded it, armed it, and then they quit. Well, well, and he, and he made comments, what? you know, uh, of uh, the outgoing general um, said that the the intentional collapse of Iraq gave rise to the Islamic State, 
which was something they knew was going to happen, that right. this uprising would come from the collapse. And the dangerous balancing act right now uh, with capability is being is growing, and it's no surprise that Obama has presided over the dangerous decline of the American military power in the Middle East as the increase of radicalized uh, terror kill squads have been increasing. And with our backing of Syrian rebels in the beginning of the Arab Spring, turns out, you know, we actually were backing ISIS. Well, we we, and we, we and the Western intelligence basically created not not just the environment but the architecture for ISIS. Yeah, we trained the very people who are operational in ISIS. Yes, now, we did. Let me let me toss one more thing here out uh, about this because. We have infiltration by ISIS, by Islamic terrorists in the highest levels of the government, and I dare, I would dare say, including the White House, because if, if people by now don't understand that Obama or Barry Satoro is a Muslim terrorist sympathizer, the head of the CIA is Muslim. You know, yeah, uh, the head of the CIA, John Brennan, uh, is, is more Muslim, Muslim and Muslim Brotherhood connections in, in the White House than there are in most mosques in the country. Well, exactly. Well, just in my opinion. Uh, yeah, you can. I mean, yeah. Well, think about this um, again. Let's go back to the, the shooter, Omar Mateen. Um, Think about ISIS infiltrating Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security, which is by design, in my view, not by accident. Orlando terrorist Mateen worked for a major DHS contractor. We talked about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. However, now, this gets a little bit deeper. Um, the the, the GS, uh, G4S, okay, uh, understanding what this is all about, uh, G4S Secure Solutions USA Inc. It's like Blackwater. Well, right. This Jupiter, Florida-based company in the United States, the U.S. division, merged with Wackenhut after 9/11, and they assumed federal contracts. Now, the G4S supports the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, Customs and Border Protection with its operations at the U.S.-Mexican border and U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement (ICE). So they support ICE, which includes transporting illegal immigrants, illegal aliens yep. in various urban areas. So okay. the, the the Omar who carried out this terrorist attack was uh, a facilitator of bringing illegal immigrants Correct. in under the radar. But by virtue of his position right. with G4S, which, by the way, is worth more than $234 million as a, corp- or as a corporation. And interestingly enough, you've got Omar Mateen, a terrorist, uh, pledging allegiance to ISIS and working for G4S, whose contract states that one of the performance requirements of this company is to help identify suspected terrorists trying to enter the United States. And he's actually facilitating, they're facilitating this very act and uh, and, and employing the, yeah. those who are doing the same thing. And the contract also states that these these um, um, the personnel should be prepared to carry out uh, acts that the U.S. military will not carry right. out. Right. I mean, leaving that very vague uh, in in that statement, that could mean a lot of things. But um, you know, stuff that's so too small for them to carry out, or stuff that's too horrific that they would never carry out. 
And um, not to interrupt your train of thought, but back to the Hillary uh, against guns, why Hillary Clinton's strongest issue is actually her biggest farce. I stated $150 million in weapon sales. But, in fact, Hillary Clinton has sold more weapons than George W. Bush in his second term. This is not mentioned by the U.S. News, but the business International Business Times discovered the Clinton State Department sold $165 billion in weapons to 20 separate countries from October 2010 to September 2012. Oh, yeah, but we, we, we can't mention that, uh, of course. $161 billion worth of weapons through the Pentagon broker deals through 16 different countries, all of which had donated to the Clinton Foundation. Interesting. Well, we're seeing other things breaking right now or or happening right now. Paris police officer and wife stabbed to death, attacker allegedly. We've got a hostage situation apparently taking place in Paris. In Um, West Virginia, there's an active shooter. Daytona uh, Beach as well. We were talking about that during the break. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, we are seeing these kinds of attacks. Uh, I don't want to say lone wolf attacks, but attacks by um, Islamic terrorists and, and those who sympathize, sympathize with ISIS and other such Islamic terrorist groups. And, and you cannot, it, it's very difficult to separate uh, uh, Islamic terror or terrorism from Islam, okay? Uh, you, you really can't do it, no matter how how hard both Clinton and Obama and every other progressive liberal Luciferian are, are attempting to do so, all right? So the uh, the, the people here, the, uh, the Islamic terrorists inside the United States who have been allowed and placed here, uh, facilitated, transported by the likes of Mateen and others and companies that like GS, G4S and others uh, are, are are here for a reason, and and they will become active. In my estimation, in our in our view, they will become active, and they will. Um, this will be not a regular occurrence, but a continual uh, occurrence, not just at uh, well. It, throughout the United States and all throughout the West. Now, Josh, let me ask you, um, just now you've been monitoring, Josh, um, you've been monitoring all of the social networking um, applications. Yeah. All right. What... What's going on in, in in that realm, in that venue, the social networking? And, and we're talking to Josh, the, uh, the, the he's my stepson, and he's filling in for Eric the Tech. By the way, Josh has got a very successful business. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's yeah, extremely successful, and uh, he doesn't have to do this. He certainly is uh, just doing me doing us a favor. But uh, so so what's what's the word on the social networking side of things? Because I don't follow that unless there's a reason to um you know it's kind of hard to vet all of that information because everybody kind of has their own opinion um i I have seen reports uh that say uh, you know i had a friend that said there was multiple shooters right uh i've seen reports that say uh that some of the people were shot as many as uh 11 12 13 times I've seen that at least yeah. one report of eleven. One person shot yeah. eleven times, uh, which is kind of hard to imagine uh, coming from just one shooter. Um, uh, possible, uh, you know, being that uh, the frequency that you can fire the rounds out of an egg. 
an AR. But, uh, you know, it's just a lot of calls for gun control, a lot of arguments back on the other side of that as well. Um, it's just uh, kind of hectic trying to go through uh, all the posts that you see out there and all the rhetoric that it causes. What about the choice of targets being a uh, homosexual uh, entertainment nightclub? What's the what's the barometer reading out there on the social networking? Uh, and, and folks, just to say this, our prayers go out to the victims, the victims' families. Uh, certainly, they are in our in our thoughts and prayers. So, so, uh, we, but but the question needs to be asked. I mean, what, what is there? I mean, is is the choice of of venues, the victimology in this, the fact that there, um, uh, this man decided to target a, a homosexual nightclub, is that being discussed with any any level of intensity on social networks? Well, well, the argument that's being formed is that. It gives credence to call this a hate crime instead of an uh, uh, act of terrorism, what, what do you th- which, which is clearly an act of ter- terrorism. There's no question about that. What do you think that um, if this uh, man who carried the attack out actually was a homosexual himself? Uh, again. You think they would just paint that as a hate crime and, and not or report Or bisexual, you know. Right. I, you know, he's married with a child. Um but yeah, divorced. I don't know. And, and it said he, he's frequented that that but, bar yeah, on several it occasions. So. That he's been there multiple times, and he would get so drunk and loud and obnoxious that, uh, you know, on a couple of occasions they they may have asked him to actually leave the facility. Um, so you know, it's just very hard to uh, to tell at this point. It's too early in the game. I, I just you know, carrying out an assault of that magnitude inside of a club, uh, just. You know, there had to be planning involved. Um, it, it just, uh, you know, it's hard to say, I guess. Well, I, I noticed one thing on the social media that Twitter had banned a user calling for Mosque Watch. All right. Now, uh, game developer, Breitbart reporter on this, game developer Mark Kern was banned on Twitter for saying, and I quote, radical mosques should be surveilled or should be placed under surveillance. I've got a motto, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies under surveillance. Um, but Twitter has joined Facebook and Reddit in the, the latest post Orlando Hall of Shame. According to Breitbart, they've become the latest social media platform to censor users for discussing the Islamic terrorist attack or anything related to it. And Mark Kern, who's this video game developer, worked on the original edition of uh, World of, or yeah, uh, World of Witchcraft, I, I guess it was, was suspended from Twitter today for saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, I don't see why mosques with radical leanings should be excluded from surveillance when the rest of us get our emails collected by the NSA." That's what he said on Twitter, and bang, Twitter says, no, you can't say that, and gone is his account. So what's your take on that? Uh, I just think the censorship is getting out of control. Um, You know, you search on Google, who knows, you know, you're trying to dig for information, uh, trying to look up backgrounds, trying to research, do due diligence on some of these topics that are coming up, and who knows what Google is filtering out that you cannot see? Who knows what? Good point. Who knows what Twitter and Facebook are, are filtering out that you cannot see? Because 
we look at it as just a, a standalone platform that when you search something, you're going to get the results that you're looking for. But you got to remember, there's people on the other end that are controlling yeah. the code in that in, in those searches. No, you're so uh, right. It just uh, came out last week. Well, you did. You did a uh, Josh. You did a, a I, sir, uh, uh, yeah. And, you know, just by digging around, you can actually find that if you were to search for Hillary Clinton CRI yep. in Google instead of crime. instead instead of pulling up for like or her uh, possible criminal. Uh, activities, it's saying Hillary Clinton crime record, Hillary yeah, crime Clinton, reform, Clinton, yeah. crime reform, crime prevention. Whereas if you go onto Bing or Yahoo, uh, the first things that come up are Hillary Clinton possible, you know, being indicted and, and yeah, leans in, a completely different direction. So, and they're doing the opposite with Trump. Right, and it's the exact opposite with Trump. But when you go on to dig into the Google Analytics and go down to actual look at what the actual search, the entire search uh, completed phrase is, that nobody's searching for Clinton's 94 crime record. Everybody <laughs> wants to know when is this woman going to be arrested and indicted. Um, it's just uh, you got to realize that if it's not coming from a news source such as you and Joe, uh, you're not getting 100% oh, yeah, accurate. Media. That's yeah, right. If yep. it's not, uh, it, it's Filtered, and it's being you're being directed, um, and it's helping to formulate your thoughts. And, and it's just it's incredible. And once you if you spend a few hours a day looking at this information, that it's just uh, it's really just remarkable that there's somebody out there on the other you know on the other side of the computer fixing fixing everything. Uh, and it's not just people now. It's uh, algorithms through, it's algor- through yeah, robots. And, yeah. Right, and, and they're trying to formulate uh, the masses' opinion. They're, you know, they're trying to get entire populations to lean one way or another. Yes. Uh, which, you know, who knows if you're over if you're overseas or you're in Europe and you, and you do the same type of searches on other search engines, you're going to get a completely different uh, understanding. Uh, of that information, and even when you watch Fox News or MSNBC, which is, uh, in my opinion, very easy to distinguish the differences, you have, uh, you know, Fox News the headline is worst terrorist attack since 9/11. Uh, you look on MSNBC, it says worst mass shooting in U.S. history. So you got you just have to see the narratives that are being formed on each side, uh, and they're just. It's just a political agenda, a conglomerate political agenda that is being pushed. And in my opinion, it's just there's the elitists that are playing both sides of the coin. They're not going to lose either way. Either way right. it goes. Uh, they're involved on both aspects, so they're in a win-win situation no hmm. matter what happens. It's easy. It's easy to control when you play both sides. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, there you so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, from the social media angle uh, here in, in the West, and of course, knowing just disclosing Breitbart saying that, uh, hey, this game developer uh, wrote, and I'll just repeat what he wrote. Mark Kern said this on Twitter: uh, "I don't see why mosques with radical leanings should be excluded from surveillance when the rest of us get our emails collected by the NSA." How dare he? But a bing, but a bang. 
suspended from Twitter. No. And look at the, the people that, that call Trump an, an avid bigot and racist. And what has he been saying? Keep Islam out. Yeah. Keep Do the Muslims out. Yeah, those right, who come right. in. Right. Uphold the Second Amendment. Yes. All of which would have added to the prevention or lessening of this attack. Well, what do the Democrats say? Make gun-free zones and ban guns. Right. Why do you think none of the hundred people that were shot in that nightclub had a gun on them? They were probably following the law. That's right. And, okay, another question is why didn't anybody charge the shooter? With, uh, I mean, even though he was killed, charge him with what? No, no, charge, run after him, charge. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, when you're in a, uh, a situation. <laughs> That's the, uh, the, the brainwashing, uh, the brainwash mentality of, uh, shelter in place. And know? it goes back to hide under your desk and all of a nuclear bomb. Is, is, and you can use whether Flight 93, the movie. Right. As the heroic passengers charged the alleged hijackers and saved, you know, the White House or some major building from being hit, allegedly, as the narrative goes. But why? Uh, Yeah. Why is somebody behind the shooter? Unless there were multiple shooters where somebody could not discern where all the shooting was coming from, not putting their life in danger to tackle somebody from behind, knowing there's another person with a gun shooting people as well. Right. That I, could be a big reason. I think yeah, you have to think as well. It, it, you, you do have to realize and uh, think about it from the aspect of if nobody's caring, it's more than likely, you know, it's 2 a.m. and it is a nightclub, so there's a lot of alcohol involved, and, and no bar or nightclub is going to let you in with a weapon. In, in Florida, you lived in Florida for a while. Is there, uh, is 2 o'clock the last call? Do they do that? No, the, the clubs in, in Florida... Uh, typically are open till three, four, five, okay. five in the morning. Um, so two o'clock is kind of like the prime hour, I guess. Yeah, I was wondering for a nightclub in that area. Usually, um, uh, bars, especially here in this town, you know, they're clearing out. Yeah, by that, two o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Elsewhere, um, that's usually closing time. But down in Florida, that's uh, kind of the time that everything's getting uh, okay, getting pretty. Uh, Busy, but at the same time, it, all of those clubs and all of all, any of those places that you would go to at that time of night are, are gonna have security to get. You're gonna have to go through security to get in the door. They're not just gonna let you walk in there with an AR-15 and loaded handgun. So unless the shooter ran out, came up shooting immediately, fought his way in. Could, I, you know, could he have assembled it in the nightclub? I've never seen an AR-15 disassembled, so I don't know how easy it well, would be. You've, disse- you've, you've taken another I've part. taken guns apart. Field not, not the, well, Josh has field stripped an AR. Yeah. I, you're, you're not going to do it in the bar. Yeah, I own two. And he uh, didn't shoot his way in. <laughs> I, uh, good. That's, it, uh, it would be fairly simple to put together. Uh, most of the newer age models are, you know, a couple pins and that you just push and release and uh you can have it disassembled in three parts in 20 seconds so but but still you know but still that's at least a lot, a lot of to be answered yeah. yeah 
lot of ammunition and it's a lot of stuff to try to get into the club. Now, now so some people will say, look, uh, a two two three can penetrate and wound more than one person. So, um, the right circumstances, yeah. the right shot at the right, uh, right part of the body, I can see that. Yeah. Now, thirty round, thirty round magazines. Um, some people will say seven, eight would do the trick, but still, and loaded, um, the loaded 30 round magazines are, what, they weigh, what do you think, a pound, pound and a half? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're in the So you're gonna, you're gonna be carrying maybe up, upwards of 10 pounds of, of, of ammo, maybe on a vest, uh, uh, ordinary pockets will allow for six to eight magazines. BDU pants, depending on what he was wearing, you know, who knows? But um, yeah, I, I mean, again, this goes back to the math. Um, and aside from going into the club, uh, breaking in, and or finding a way for someone to stash the long gun, the rifle, in there for him, mm-hmm. I just don't see him hiding it under his shirt or pants mm-hmm. and walking in there. I don't see I think him. he just blazingly went in there with it. Well, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't remember hearing stories of, you know, the shooting started outside as he worked his way inside. The shooting well, started from inside the club after well, he probably paid a cover charge. No, I don't, I don't think he stopped to pay a cover charge. Okay, well, okay. that's my question. Did, uh, did the shooting start, you know, as I think he, he took out the, the guard. door? There was, he took out the right. guard. Okay. There was an sense. unarmed, uh, or there were, I shouldn't say unarmed. There was a, um, off duty is what I meant to say. From what I'm understanding, it was almost like he was there having, having a drink or a drink and at some point just went, you know, haywire and started shooting after he was already inside as a patron. Uh, observing what was going on, but if he was coming from the street and started his assault at the door, that makes much more sense. Right, and I think we have a tendency uh, to to rely uh, too much on the the first reports, and uh, sometimes simple is best, and simple is the right answer. By the way, I was just informed wow. by by Kenneth T is uh, that uh, Austin Brower today during uh, on the Common Sense Show did a really great breakdown of the number of rounds fired in conjunction with the number of casualties plus the weight of that many rounds that needed to be carried and reloading times. So if you have the opportunity, definitely go back uh, to the or go to the archive of uh, uh, Ted Brower. Uh, the Ted Brower show um, comes on after today. our show. Well, yes, it's going to be replayed after our show. So, thank you, Ken. Uh, I did not get a chance to listen to to it today. I was otherwise uh, busy. Uh, this from Linda: seven weeks, forty nine days, forty nine killed. First. Fruits to Pentecost shooter Omar, counting the Omar, or in parentheses Omar, thoughts. Don't have any at this at this at this point. There are I, I can guarantee you the numerology plays into this. Now, this happened on the eleventh or the twelfth, actually, right? Twelfth. This is correct. Okay. Okay. Well, the, the, the there is a significant. Um, that's six, six, six. If you add, if you have six, right. The one, two is three. The two, one, three. That's six and six. Um, 
it does equal 666. No, it doesn't. No. June is the sixth month, yeah. and you have one, two, that's the three. Twelve. That's three. Then you have two, one, for two, zero, one, uh, that's three. So oh, okay, six, three, okay. three, yeah, three I'm, six. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. You're, you're, you are correct. Um, I, but the number seven and nine, or I'm sorry, the number nine comes into play. I mean, there are a lot of numbers here, 49. Um, the, the numerology, do we, do we believe this? Well, no, we believe that other people believe in, yeah. in, the, in the, in the, in the numerology behind this. Um, who cares what we believe? All right. Seriously. It doesn't matter. It's, it's what they believe. And it's, that speaks to their motivation. But trust me when I tell you that our, our sources, my, my one law enforcement source had stated this. And this is the same person who stated that, uh, there will be an arrest and, and did, did we report that before Drudge put it up? Because I, I, you mentioned it, not knowing it was up on a headline. Okay. It was yeah. reported before Drudge put it up, but I think okay. it was, Coming out before, just before the show started. All right. Uh, well, then my apologies. And it's now being reported that he did visit the club dozens of times right. before the massacre. That he used a gay dating app that was on his phone. Okay. So is this maybe more of a uh, self-hate, domestic violent situation, or is this actually uh, being used as a terrorist? Uh, with a terrorist cover, or was this a terrorist attack? Uh, it just seems very odd to me that the man was married at a kid, but frequented a gay nightclub and had yeah, a gay dating nightclub. app on his site. Homosexual. I'm reading the headline. Okay. Gay, used gay dating app. All right. And that's not to be mean. That's to be precise in terms of our language, all right? Yeah, and that's not my language. That's the news language that I'm reading from. No, um, I, I want to point this out. World Net Daily is reporting this, and, and um, uh, we had taken to the airwaves yesterday and explaining the larger picture behind this attack. And, and this is really the, the crux of everything, the epicenter of what's going on. Alex Jones had, uh, had done a, uh, a YouTube uh, video, a video, I think it was today, uh, saying that the attacks in Orlando are false flag terror attack. Now, again, we have to define false flag and understand what the definitions are that aside okay uh he said that while omar mateen the man behind the murders um he was actually born in the united states he's he's actually part of the tsunami of islamic invasion taking place uh, in the west right now our government and the governments of europe allowed these huge hordes of of uh Islamic terrorists in yeah and, and, and they last bought month, them without vetting them on record uh, vetting them on record last month uh, 1,037 right. Syrian immigrants two Christians 1,035 Muslims right right and London, this is at the behest of the executive branch London uh, elected their first Muslim mayor right and, and it's okay implementing Muslimist Muslim type policies as he is banning uh, sexy women in advertisements in London now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, this is the Islamization of the West. Yes, yes. And it's being is. embraced by yep. the political yep. uh, brokers of power. It is being uh, created by those who create 
or or run the the puppets of power, the presidents, the prime ministers, the heads of of state. It's neuro linguistic programming and this cultural um, brainwashing. Even the Pope compared the conquest of Islam, the inherent conquest of Islam, to the Jesus and his apostles <sighs> spreading of the gospel. Okay, Josh, there you go. Do you agree with that now? Silence. He's just shaking his head. We can't hear the, I think it's the, brain the, the innards uh, rattling there. But And I have pages. I wrote, I wrote uh, probably four pages as I was going through the Pope's speech because it got my mind working. This was uh, late at night the other night. I don't have them with me, but hopefully I can make sense of them enough to put them in writing um, and, and put something up on the website about this because this is very important to understand. He Not only did the Pope compare the conquest of Islam, the inherent conquest of Islam to spread to the uh, of Christianity and Jesus and hit the apostles to spread the gospel but he also called for the um, Europeans to have babies with the immigrants as the uh, future of our nation needed, uh, of our nation, of their nation in Europe um, the fertility rates have been down for the first uh, over sixty percent in the last ten years, and he called for uh, the, the the mixed breeding of the two cultures to bring a more united country. I was going to say something about the lack of a Trojan horse, but I'll just leave that alone. But and you uh, know, if people do their, you know, how I was talking to you and other guests in the last few weeks about my. Uh, Looking into the different aspects of the uh, Inquisition and the Crusades and Jerusalem and the history after Jer- Jerusalem was destroyed until it was uh, Israel was reinstituted, you know, right. in the in the Crusades, it wasn't Muslim armies that that you know came into these areas. They settled as refugees before the Crusades started. Like chess, they put their people in position then started the conflict. Very kind of exactly so. what you see today. Y- yes, yes. And I've just yes. touched the surface on that, and I can't speak more on it because I don't have the understanding. But I did learn that the first tactic of the crusade was being a refugee. Right. And, and With the knowing end of, right. of violence. Well... Um, I received this, uh, we received a, a tremendous, um, email from, uh, Pamela. And, um, let me just pull, pull this up here real quick. Yeah, here. we're getting lots of good emails in. Um, uh, so folks, if we do read your email, we appreciate it, but we appreciate all the emails that are coming in. But, uh, this is a, uh, an image that was created some time ago. Barack Obama and his fellow Islam followers want to convince Americans that the war on terror is over. In reality, the jihad has reached the second phase, and that is infiltration. And how true is that? All right. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. We got an email here. I want to address when you're done. No, um, well, don't forget as well. 
the Muslim Brotherhood, the infiltration, speaking of infiltration, in, into the Obama regime, six American um, uh, Muslim sympathizers, terrorist sympathizers who work with the o- Obama regime are Muslim Brotherhood operatives who enjoy strong influence over U.S. policy. We see that taking place in the manuals and DHS. We see this taking place within the State Department. We see it taking place in our intelligence agency. All, re- all references to Islamic terrorism have been expunged, or most of them. Even in the military, you with cannot... The DHS, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can't even talk about, um, you, you, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. You cannot talk about Muslim terrorism, Islamic terrorism. It's like they scratched their daddy's car and now they're about trying to buff out the scratch before anybody notices. Well, yeah. Um. <laughs> Think of Barack Obama saying this, that, you know, I am not incompetent. I am destroying America more quickly than anyone thought possible. I am not in over my head. I am advancing totalitarianism right under your noses. I'm not stupid. The stupid are those who fail to see the danger I bring. I'm not failing. I am succeeding at every goal I have set. I am embracing your enemies and rejecting your friends, as we have seen also in uh, Audacity of Hope, uh, page 181, I believe it is, that he would uh, side with the Muslims during in the ill wind. Uh, I am acting lawlessly and unconstitutionally. I am ignoring your constitution. I am disobeying your laws. Your media is abetting me. Your Congress is not stopping me. And I'll add that they're facilitating him. And those sworn to defend your constitution are not removing me. He and lastly, I am a I am fundamentally transforming the United States of America, just as I said I would. Your constitution, liberty, freedom, wealth, future, and children are no longer at risk. The risk is past they are already lost that's from a uh, that's an image or a poster uh, about obama sent and by it's Pamela. very true yep but you know we were in this danger before obama yep and the next president i feel will continue to increase that danger if you're in that seat if you're going to retain that seat you're going to have to conform to the powers yeah i want to i want to touch on go this ahead. email go ahead um, and, and, and the, the person who sent this email, Dwayne G, uh, I am not saying anything nasty against you. I just want to use this email to illustrate and make a point. Uh, this is the body of the email. I understand Muslims and the, their desire to dominate the world. But when they're killing sodomites or anybody hanging out with them, why care? I think that is why the Almighty has to destroy this country. The basically good people are too soft-hearted to kill off the low lowlife uh, who drags us down into the gutter. Um, either kill them off or take them or take or they take you down with them. And I just want to say this. That is what the powers that be and their puppets want as a reaction from Christians. I'm going to quote Matthew chapter 18 verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell them his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. And then it goes into, if he will not hear thee, bring two or three more witnesses. But verily, it ends up, the disciples ask him, Peter asks him, how often shall I forgive my brother in sin? 
my brother who sins against me? And he says, I say not unto thee until seven times seven, until seventy times seven. And then he gives a parable um, of the kingdom of heaven like unto a king. But the point of this is, the Lord does not take pleasure that any should perish. And regardless if somebody is in sin or not, we have all lived in sin and we have all fallen short of the glory. We cannot play into their mindset of hate. Nor can we applaud the death of those we disagree with, whether they're Satanist or whether they're Baptist. Murder is wrong. The Lord is the only judge. And we are told to love all, even our enemy. As much as that hurts and as hard as it is to do, we must always be mindful of that because that's what God commanded us to do. Right. I know our mind wants to think differently and do differently. My mind does too, all the time. This is why it's so important to make sure that we're constantly walking with the Lord. Because when we let our minds wander, when we let thoughts from the devil creep into our head and we expand on those, it will lead us down this road. <clears throat> yeah, it might seem, I mean, it's like cheering on an abortion clinic that was blown up, you know, uh, while all the abortion doctors were inside. And, and it we saw, like we saw that with the, with the assassination of an abortion, abortion doctor in Buffalo. But then people are right. just going to build another one. The abortions are still going to continue. That's not to say we shouldn't fight against it or protest it. But you can't murder somebody for sin and expect that you're doing a, a deed for the Lord because murder is a sin, even if it's the thought of murder. Just like when Jesus said... Uh, you know, I have not come to change the law, but expand on it. Uh, the law says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, but I tell you, if you even lust after thy neighbor's wife, you have committed adultery. Just like with murder. If you are angry against your brother, you have already committed murder against your brother. And we need to be mindful of these things. Right. We, we and, and this does go to... Um, the trap that's being laid out there, I think, for a lot of people. And it's the trap of the soul. Very much. Very much. Now, I, I look, I believe homosexuality is a sin, and I believe it's an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, I, this is what I believe. But I also believe that discussion in conjunction with the shooting deaths at the club is terribly insensitive and and frankly does not have any uh, I, I would not enjoin the two at this point you're talking about the victims in, in, in that club whatever their behavior might be and folks you don't know yeah we read a story I mean, just recently during the break of a woman a girl who just graduated high school who was a graduation president, present to take a vacation down to Florida with her parents she was going to attend uh, a college, Mercier's College, here in Erie. Right. She was killed in the shooting. And, and you don't know her sexual orientation or her behavior or her actions, and, and nor, nor does it matter in, in the context of the shooting. Here's the bottom line, all right? We do not embrace homosexuality. 
However, in the strongest terms, we certainly condemn the killing of of those of the of, of those people in that club and anyone because they are practicing homosexuality. That's wrong. That is against right the laws of God. As Jesus was asked when the uh, people in Jerusalem uh, found and, and threw a woman uh, who was committing adultery in front right. of everybody, and they asked, you know, Master, what shall we do? The law says we should stone her. He said, let, let him without sin cast the first stone. Okay. But I want to, I want to caution people just as I, and, and I hope I'm very clear on that because that, this is a, a very complex trap being laid, uh, being placed out there. But I, I but at the same time, I mean, I want to be very clear that, that we do not condone and in the strongest terms, we certainly condemn any violence against uh, homosexuals, absolutely, because it's not biblical. It's not of God, and and we understand these people are mothers or uh, uh, daughters and and brothers and sisters and perhaps even mothers. I I don't know, but regardless, we, we well, like the trans- I, I hope that's clear. I mean, I just hope that is clear. Like the transgender law, you know, in Target, for instance, uh, you know. Obviously, uh, we disagree with it. We're not going to support it. We're going to tell people to boycott it. We're going to tell people to expose it. But we're not going to go on a killing spree uh, of those people who want to use a different bathroom than their gender identity. No, but we will expose the the, the pitfalls and pratfalls of of the people and expose the dangers associated with that. Absolutely. Moral dangers, spiritual dangers, and actual, in reality, real dangers. And see, this is where the, the convolution of hate speech comes in. Because, yes. because exposing evil and calling out what is wrong, wrong, that is not the same as uh, wanting to kill or maim or injure anybody who's uh, you know, going through the practice of that type of sin. We're all guilty right. of sin at some level. Some people say, you know, sin is, some sins are worse than others, but sin is sin in God's eyes. And everybody's capable of being saved. Amen to that. We'll be right back after these short messages. Stay with us. Drone Uh, Course in the next hour. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Rich people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denial, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at hagmanandhagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood.
And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Jerome Corsi, of course, uh, uh, just a prolific man that we met uh, a number of times, and um, uh, he's a great guy, a very interesting man. He's got a he's got a lot of um, uh, uh, I mean, he's done a lot of work, a lot of work about uh, a lot of research into Obama, and you know, where's the birth certificate and such. So he's going to be, he is going to be uh, joining us at the bottom of of, of this hour. Um, yeah. I, I also want to mention very quickly here. Uh, I don't know how many people saw this article by Jack Cashel on a different subject. TWA eight hundred twenty years next month. Twenty years, folks. Next month, TWA eight hundred. Uh, and the American Thinker published an article by Jack Cashel, uh, where a, uh, 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 an air traffic controller came to Cashel, who wrote a book about the uh, Flight 800. And of course, you, you know, on TWA Flight 800 was the uh, uh, jet that was. Uh, passenger uh, jet that was taken out of the sky on July 17, 1996, just off of uh, Long Island, and um, killing all on board. And, of course, the CIA and or the, uh, uh, the various uh, agencies, federal agencies, created a mock-up, and uh, this ridiculous mock-up in attributing the crash to a f- uh, explosion in the center fuel tank. Well, now you've got this uh, individual... ATC air traffic controller who worked the night of July 17, 1996, not uh, directly at the or not directly on his screen was not on 800, but he was next. Well, he was in proximity with someone who was watching this at the New York Terminal Radar Approach Control track on located in Westbury, New York. Well, Cashel said that hey, this guy. Provided him his name and all of the information to uh, Cashel vetted this guy and says, "Yeah, he, he is who he says he is. Knows what he's talking about. Uh, he's using an alias as Mark Johnson because he's got children who depend on them. The federal government, he believes, will seek revenge, retribution, and any other remedy they feel like." The bottom line, Johnson um, or, or this source said that look, the. Radar shows a vertical intersection, uh, basically a missile striking TWA 800. End of story. Now, the implications, why now? Why after 20 years? He's been trying to get the story out for a number of years. Now, what does this say about Hillary Clinton, the wife of Bill Clinton, in office at the time, if anything? If we can, um, before we get back into our content this hour, this portion of our show is brought to you by Minuteman Stoves. Folks, this is a new sponsor a uh, new partner we picked up just a few weeks ago, and we have uh, battle-tested these stoves ourselves, and we have had several listeners order the stoves. These are uh, Minuteman rocket stoves, folks. You can go to minutemanstove.com. Um, 
and just a quick synopsis of what these are, they are emergency stoves for uh, situations such as economic collapse, wars, EMP, natural disasters, anything that will in- interrupt normal chains of supply, uh, whether that be food or your utilities. How can you cook in an environment with no electric or natural gas? Liquid or gas burning stoves are not sustainable. Most people are not able to store a year's worth of liquid or gas fuel with their storable food. Um, it can become a, a hazard trying to uh, uh, do methods of cooking that are uh, things we're not used to. Uh, another option for cooking over an open fire is a barbecue pit or a fire ring. However, this method requires a lot of wood, chopping, hauling, and splitting wood. Most people don't have enough time or resources while they're in survival mode to have this as a truly sustainable option. So what is the solution? We recommend Minuteman Stove. Uh, the solution is Minuteman Rocket Stove. It's a small, portable, wood-burning cooking stove that weighs just 14 pounds and provides all the cooking power of regular kitchen stoves. It requires a small sticks and twigs for fuel, uses less than a tenth of the wood you would use in an open fire. Even in a suburban or urban environment, enough wood can be uh, scavenged to make your uh, stove sustainable. It is constructed around a one-inch inth, uh, one eighth inch thick steel main burn tube that is then fully insulated with ceramic refractory matte insulation. A standard 50 caliber ammo can is used as the uh, box and the deck, the main burn table and insulation are welded inside the ammo can. Uh, These stoves also come with fire starters which are the strike fire starters. Man, are they ever effective. That you can strike anywhere from eight to 10,000 on the smaller ones to 12 to 15,000 on the bigger ones. You get a few of the uh, strikers with the stove. It's $160. 69, I believe. 169. With, uh, uh, shipping included, I believe, right? Yes. It's very rugged, light and portable, self-contained, waterproof, very easy to transport, very easy to clean. It is the most sustainable stove we have seen for a survival or camping type environment. I, I stand behind this stove, period. If you want a, if you want a, a stove that's going to last you a number of years, this, this is it. This yeah, and I'm sorry. The bigger fire strikers, smaller fire strikers, eight to ten thousand strikes. The bigger fire starters, thirty-five thousand strikes, and they even have half-inch rod fire strikers that are are good for a hundred thousand strikes. The handles are made of hardwood, brass, or shell casings, or wood, and the forever and medium strikers are also. Uh, adorned with uh, a cross on the bottom of uh, the starter. Again, go to MinutemanStove.com, MinutemanStove.com. And for those of you who have already ordered the stove, please send uh, Lane, Mr. Miller, an email. You can get the email right off of his website, website, and it's well worth it. Uh, anybody with any type of, of, of storable, long-term storable food, you need something to cook it on if things go bad. This is the best product we out there that we have found to do so. And if you have questions, comments, or concerns, just send them an email. Again, minimanstove.com. Yeah, it's a great product. And, and thanks, Joe, for, for, for that. 
All right. Um, yeah, so, so the, the, there's, you know, the news of the day, and I asked my wife today when I was leaving for the studio, I said, so are, are you are you tired? Are you growing weary of the stories about the the, the shooting event? Uh, not not to be not not to be um, uh, disparaging, or for no other reason than because it seems like this is all you hear now, and, and that's the way the news cycles go. For yeah. example, and of course you're tired. Um, I'm tired of it, but right, the truth is what we're after, and the truth right. is what we don't get. Exactly, and, and we are seeing. Really, I the the template for um, the template playing out that will lead to again the assaults on the First and Second Amendment, and, and we're seeing this played out exquisitely. The, we must understand that the the globalist powers in the government, in the intelligence world, within the various business communities, the associations of secret societies they're playing chess we're playing checkers and we're watching them play chess very effectively and we're seeing the neuro-linguistic programmings keywords hot buttons being exploited in this case for a specific purpose that purpose is to take away our rights to take uh, under the guise of security and people are falling for this left and right there is a level of awareness and awake people being becoming awake that's taking place but but really at this moment in time hmm, i see and i don't know about you but i do see a push toward uh some sort of executive scorched earth policy by obama to do something uh, very unconstitutional, what else is new, and lawless with respect to uh, guns and or ammunition and or magazines. Or clips as the renegade clips, right? Unless you own an M- M1. <laughs> you know, I used to say the word clips all the time, and uh, it's a word that my dad would instantly say magazines <laughs> say it with me Ma- magazine that's right uh, that's right so yes magazine is the proper terminology yeah um so but we all, look we have to really ask ourselves ask ourselves some serious questions and and what positions are going to play what what, what does all of this mean the shooting in the context of all of the current events today. Um, you, you go back in time. Just go back to 1998, three years before 9-11. Bin Laden declared war against the Christians and against Jews, against Christian crusaders, in a written document called the World Islamic Front Statement. Now, what did Bin Laden say in 1998? He specifically said that the ruling to kill the Americans and their allies in both the civilian and military sectors is an individual duty for every Muslim who can do it in any country in which is it is possible to do so. Now, despite this, well... What have we seen, and what have we learned from this 1998 declaration of war? Apparently, nothing. We, but but I also want to 
bring forth the, the, the fact that the weaponization of Islam has is nearly complete, and at the epicenter of this weaponization, really conducted by Nazi Germany back in World War Two, and carried through by Brzezinski's and other globalists into Afghanistan in 1979, and continuing by members of the PNAC Commission and um, other people, neocons, as well as progressives and liberals and communists even, uh, Islam, they've, they've, they've used Islam as a tool to destroy the United States. But that's not their only tool in their, in their war chest, but it's a big one, as we saw over this, over this past weekend. It's a big one by the globalist Luciferians. But, but so too, and interestingly enough, here we find the intersection between this, the weaponization of Islam, the doors open for illegal aliens other than Mexicans and Mexicans and others who won't refuse to assimilate into American culture. Uh, we see this taking place, but, but we, we also see the advancement of the LGBTQ agenda concurrent with this. And again, we saw the intersection of the two mm-hmm. this past weekend. Both weapons of the globalists. The latter, the LGBTQ, weaponized to change our speech, to, to curtail our speech, right of free speech, to normalize abhorrent behavior, sinful behavior, and to marginalize Christianity. The former, the Islam, weaponized as a tool and used as a tool by the globalists to physically take out as many Christians, Jews, and non-Muslims as possible here in the West or in the United States and all across the West. We have to look at the bigger picture, folks. We have to look at what's the, the, the landscape of current events as a tapestry. And these events are, are all interrelated. Barack Obama, and, and uh, Jerome Corsi will tell you that Barack Obama was selected, uh, and at least in my view, is the perfect uh, Manchurian candidate. I mean, I don't think you could have selected a better candidate for that office, which is why they fought so hard to keep him in there, despite his ineligibility, constitutionally speaking. Look what he's done. How many people can really seriously argue incompetence over intention? How, while we're on this, and I'm going to turn this over to Joe, how many people really believe, if you are a Republican, a conservative, that people like Paul Ryan and, and John Boner <laughs> really have, have your best interests at heart or had your best interests at heart? It, or, or, 
what's who's in there now? Uh, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. Yeah. Um, who's the other guy? Um, well, it doesn't matter. You you've got all of these these really the bulk of the conservative slash Republicans who are in office right now who are facilitating the globalist agenda and siding essentially siding with the progressive liberal fascist Fabian socialist left of center and in in Hillary's case the communists all of this tapestry taking place right now and so i can say with with near certainty you will see additional mass casualty events take place and even some more severe than you saw this weekend some more abhorrent than you saw this weekend some more deadly some more sad if that's possible some more sickening to such a point where we the american people will suffer the fate of other nations, other Western nations, by having our speech restricted, our rights restricted, even more so than today. And the banner of Islam, the flag of Islam, will fly at least temporarily over the land in place of, we'll say the don't tread on me flag, until such time as the globalists have no no further use for Islam. Islam is indeed a real threat. It's a real danger. But so is its weaponization, which is the larger picture, and I hope everyone understands that. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to eradicate the monotheistic religions. That includes Islam, but primarily Christianity and Judaism in favor of a Luciferian structured state religion that will usher in the mark of the beast and of course the son of perdition that's the that's the end game that's what we're faced with yeah absolutely and we will be joined by Jerome Corsi here in just a few minutes this out of the New York Times, new reality after Orlando attacks, dogs, metal detectors, and searches at public gatherings. Do you expect any less? I'm ready for the TSA to be outside of my front door. Actually, you know, uh, folks, wait, wait a second. Let me make an announcement. Effective as soon as Eric gets back. Are we going to have TSA here? We're going to have TSA at the door screening people for our vast studio audience. Can I um, buy the... Uh, uh, TSA no, quick. No, uh, you, no. Mm-mm. You mean uh, you've got to go through the the groping process? Can I still still carry when I come over? No, you've got to. No, no. That, that's that's. See, now you're gonna get Eric coming wrong. to work. That's like twice. Wrong. Three Why do you carry? Do you feel threatened? <laughs> do, you, do you do you have an excuse me? Uh, now you might want to cover your little one's ears. Do, do, well, no, never mind. Are you compensating for something by carrying? Do, you know, no. No. <laughs> yeah, you can't get people here to grow up. And Eric will come in and out of work 17 times a day. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. I had to. <laughs> we have Jerome Corsi with us. All right. Thanks, Todd. 
I uh, sent Todd a message. Jerome Corsi is, is just one of the. Uh, He's well, a powerhouse. Oh man, I'll tell you what. If if if, uh, if if you don't know who Jerome Corsi is, then you're living under a rock. Mr. Corsi, we met him in Orlando, Florida, and we followed his work. He's a prolific author. He's he's a man of. Uh, many hats, but I'll, I'll tell you what, he, he's, he's got his finger on the pulse of everything in this country and elsewhere. Mr. Corsi, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. It's great, great pleasure to, you. to be with you tonight. Thank you. Wow. Well, Mr. Corsi, um, I, I guess the, the topic of, of today, and, and we can go anywhere you want here in this uh, short period of time that we have with you, but um, let me ask you a question. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, and, and that's an open-ended question about the, the events of this past weekend, uh, um, the blowback, and, and, and uh, I mean, what's taking place here? What do you see taking place from this? Well, I think Donald Trump scored a lot of points today in his speech. Um, the American public are not going to accept any more than I think the Europeans are going to accept that we need to bring in hundreds of thousands of unvetted Muslims from the Middle East who are obviously going to be prone to violence, jihad, uh, and the reluctance of President Obama and Hillary Clinton to talk about uh, radical Islamic terrorism, I think, is going to be to their detriment, because American people, I don't think, are willing to look at an event like occurred horrific in Orlando is just a um, criminal act or one that can be resolved through um, gun control. I mean, obviously, had there been armed guards within that um, nightclub, uh, the shooter with a AR-15 would not have been able to just come in and start killing people and defenselessly, and people had no recourse except to run or to hide. And had there been a properly armed presence, I doubt that that target would have been picked by the radical Islamic jihadist, who clearly, I think, was influenced by ISIS and admitted as much. I, I we we totally agree. And and folks, we're talking with Jerome Corsi, prolific author, writer for World Net Daily. Latest article: Hillary Trump clash over shooting horror. Ex-Secretary of State cites lack of gun control, but billionaire blames Islamic terror. And you just uh, explained, I mean, right on the money, the, the difference in ideologies and, and uh, you know, the target-rich environment that gun-free zones create. And, of course, Clinton now calling for gun control. Wow, what do we expect? Well, do, do you see um, the right and the left actually working together, even uh, post Orlando to uh, to facilitate some sort of reform or gun control at this point, do you think? Well, I think if you listen up to Paul Ryan and the GOP establishment, they'd give Barack Obama about anything he wanted, including an abridgment to the Second Amendment. But I don't think that's what the American people want. I think the American people understand that uh, our freedoms depend upon having an armed population just as much as the ability to believe in God and profess whatever religion you want to profess, First Amendment, to be able to espouse any political opinion you want. And what we're seeing from the political left, radical left, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, is an intolerance, uh, which is a uh, no belief in the Second Amendment, no belief in the First Amendment, 
uh, the uh, imposition of thought control. If you don't agree with their radical leftist agenda, then you're a hater. And I think this is not something the American people are going to accept. Uh, the reality, which is obvious, anybody can see, is that just as in France uh, and, and throughout Europe with the rapes that are being experienced, if we let in radical Islamic jihadists, we're going to suffer more violence and terrorism, and it's inevitable. And Donald Trump's right. We've got to control this, secure the border, and deal with mosques that are in the United States and, and Islamic communities so that they're radicalized or preaching jihadi terrorism, they're shut down. And this, I think, is going to be something that to the average person is common sense. Agree totally. And very well said. Um, wow. Yeah, I, go ahead. And, and Mr. Corsi, just uh, looking here at your upcoming book, Partners in Crime, The Clinton Scheme to Monetize the White House for Personal Profit. Folks, go to World Net Daily. Pre-order your copy today, and it will be delivered to you weeks before the July 12th release date. Um, and this book is so timely. Uh, I cannot wait to read it. Um, can, can you give us a little tease about, uh, uh, well, about your ties new book? In. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does tie in very well. Well, today was going to be, you know, Barack Obama is going to be uh, not at center stage today with the terrorism. It was going to be Donald Trump giving a speech on Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation as a criminal enterprise. And what my book does, uh, I follow up on Peter Schweitzer's Cold Cash, you know, the Clinton Cash book that he wrote. He's got a DVD coming up. I think it's going to be the major subject of the FBI investigation as it unfolds, I think, in August. Uh, to recommend Hillary will be prosecuted, which I think is the evidence is abundant. But the, you know, the what they call the official acts investigation, namely that Hillary used her position as Secretary of State to um, commit acts as Secretary of State that favored the contributions to the Clinton Foundation is clear. And there's abundant emails where. Teneo, Clinton Foundation officials were emailed with classified material to try to position for financial gain. The Clintons have made, I think, something like $2 billion when you take campaign contributions to what they've made on the Clinton Foundation. And the theme of my book is going to be inurement. In other words, using a charitable foundation for personal gain is itself a crime. And I think when we, when people read what I've written in Clinton, you know, in the Partners, uh, Partners in Crime, Partners in Crime is the title of the book. You'll see it on Amazon. But it, it is that an episode after scam after scam, whether it was Haiti, whether it was the selling of U.S. uranium, whether the scam after scam, the Clintons schemes as to how to use this facade of a foundation to enrich themselves, violating every reporting law, every accounting law, using shell accounts and you know, shell corporations and pass-through accounts. Um, I think it's the... Well, if people read Partners in Crime, I think the indictment against the Clintons as criminals in their foundation is abundant. 
And it's going to be very difficult for the Clintons to skate through this one, I believe, when the American people are going to uh, realize the Clintons have lied, they've enriched themselves, and if we allow this to go through, you have Obama creating a foundation, who knows how many other politicians are just going to use the monetizing of the White House for their personal enrichment following the Clinton pattern. I think we've got to put an end to it now, and just like everything the criminals, Clintons have done, you know, lying under oath, the sex schemes, and the Hillary being an accomplice after the fact, victimizing Bill Clinton's rape victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the monetary enrichment schemes of the Clinton Foundation, it, d- deceiving people who thought they were contributing to a, a hurricane relief or some other disaster, were really just putting money in the pockets of the Clintons. I think it's going to be so offensive that I don't think the Clintons are going to be able to skate through this one. Yeah, the ten percent that they give out compared to the ninety percent that is kept within the Clinton Foundation, uh, kind of like the you know, the scandal with the Red Cross when the Haiti earthquake happened, where half a billion dollars was raised through text messages, where you, you know you text something uh, like a five-digit number that you would donate ten dollars to, ended up raising half a billion dollars, yet. It paid for, I think, five houses in Haiti, and most of the money went to the uh, or the leaders of the organization. The Clinton Foundation runs on the same way, even though as a they say it's a you know tax uh, or it is a, a charitable corporation. It keeps the vast majority of the money. Well, I, and not yeah. only that, the donors are 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 known uh, with terrorist ties. Many of them. I wrote a chapter on the Haiti scams. They go on and on. People of Haiti ended up being worse off because the Clintons got involved. The Clintons built a luxury hotel that no one needed while the earthquake victims were living in shanty towns without sanitation, without fresh water to the way they needed it. And, you know, you've got incident after incident where the Clintons falsified financial reports, lied, got Pricewaterhouse, one of the major accounting firms involved in the scam. Uh, I think when you read the book, it's going to be tough to get through 10 pages of Partners in Crime. The book I've just written will be out in July, you know, without being repulsed by how the Clintons have exploited human misery around the world for their enrichment. Hmm. What a what a disgraceful and criminal enterprise, indeed. You know, um, and folks, uh, you can go to Amazon dot com and just go ahead and search um, for Jerome Corsi's name on Amazon, and you'll find just the the wealth of books that he's written, Partners in Crime, the newest one, and and just to tell you the effectiveness of our guest. This book is already a number one release in the genre. It's in the top, uh, actually top 100 of its, of, uh, of its genre in the, in the larger sense. And so, I mean, it, 352 pages and it's scoring great. Um, it's, the numbers are great without it. I mean, before it's released. So, you know, that, uh, 
uh, uh, Jerome Corsi is a very effective author, and and I, I especially like if, if folks if you uh, want to go back in time, where's the birth certificate? The case of Barack Obama is not eligible to be president. That's still one of my favorite works by uh, Dr. Corsi. But but having said that, um, I just want to say thank you for all of your your hard work. But do you think, um, Dr. Corsi? I, I mean, here we are. It's June 2016. You've uncovered so much evidence about so much corruption. From uh, JFK? Yeah. To, to, to the Clintons? To but, so much. But do you see this election playing out where Clinton is going to remain a viable candidate despite her criminality? Criminal well, I think actions? it's still very likely that, that Hillary Clinton is going to be prosecuted. Uh, the FBI is going to recommend prosecution whether. Um, it, Attorney General Loretta Lynch does anything, it's still going to be a big political issue. Uh, I just don't, you know, the the violation of the statutes on um, respecting confidential information and in government positions, uh, the email server is a clear violation. Uh, there's email after email. Get Hillary's lied. She said she didn't release classified information. We have emails. Or Hillary saying, strip the classification off the top of the document and then send it by ClintonEmail.com. I mean, this is an egregious series of violations of law. And I don't think the Clintons are going to get away with it, with the FBI having 100 agents continuing to investigate it. Uh, I also don't think Barack Obama is really thrilled to have Hillary Clinton in the White House in charge of the apparatus of the Justice Department to investigate Barack Obama, who's still lying about basic issues, including his identity. And, you know, we've got, in, in instance after instance, I think, where the corruption of the Democratic Party, which has abandoned the fundamental principles of our founding fathers for a ideological, really communist party, Democratic Party, Democratic parties move so far left it's indistinguishable from a socialist party. And I don't think the American people are ready for this, not especially when we you know unemployment is much higher than officially declared, the uh part-time jobs, the increasing suffering of the American people under globalism. I've been writing about this extensively. My book The Late Crate USA on how trade agreements are eventually regional governments. I think the Clintons are about to have been around too long to get the pushback. You know, we see, I think, Great Britain either pulling out of the EU or very close to it. We see the Clintons are continuously struggling to face reality, which is reality of, you know, Bill Cosby, where the kinds of offenses that Bill Clinton committed against women are no longer just boys will be boys, but are rape where Hillary Clinton was an accomplice after the fact, victimizing Bill Clinton's sexual victims, uh, Benghazi, Clinton Foundation, enriching themselves, uh, now the uh, complete disorganization of, of the Middle East and the rise of radical Islamic terrorism with the Obama administration, Hillary Clinton, Huma Abedin, Muslim Brotherhood on her staff as one of her top advisors, tilting towards the Muslim Brotherhood of the Middle East, causing chaos. The American people, I think, have had enough. 
And uh, Hillary Clinton, I think, is running at a time when the pushback against this far leftist agenda, uh, I think, is going to reverberate to her disadvantage and Donald Trump's advantage. Interesting. Yeah, I I I agree with you. Um, but but I'm concerned. I, you know, I I look and I see event after event, scandal after scandal, crime after crime take place, and I just see a neutered, um, just a, a, a neutered effect of this. It just well, it, it kind of goes back to. Um, Something else I wanted to ask you about, which is not too far off the current subject. It's kind of in the same arena, shall we say. Um, we had, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, we had um, uh, our, a guest on our program talking about the investigation about Obama. Carl uh, Gallops? Yeah, Carl Gallops. We, we had Carl Gallops on, and he was talking about... Uh, in fact, he was talking about Michael Zullo and you and, um, you know, in, favorably, of course, and with, with all the information that, that, that you've amassed and they've amassed. And it just seems like nothing's happening. Um, I, if I can kind of switch gears and just ask you, uh, Dr. Corsi, any, can you enlighten us at all uh, at this point or are you in a position to do so about the... Uh, Investigation into Obama with respect to his eligibility, because you were you wrote the book, A Question of Eligibility. Look, I think the issue for Barack Obama is that his background still remains lied and shrouded in mystery. We don't have his records, his fundamental grades, his school records. The original birth certificate information was never released the computer printout, which is more of a modern-day artifact, uh, the records don't tie up or fit together, which looks like a CIA legend, a CIA-created personality. Uh, it may take us years or decades to answer the question who Barack Obama really is, but I think you know the agenda Obama came in with was to fundamentally move America into a socialist direction we are his colonial anti-colonialism and his viewing of America as a criminal country uh, wanting to punish America wanting to push us into a globalist economy where the standard of living is diminished uh, we've seen food stamps skyrocket seen unemployment real unemployment skyrocket uh, not the artifact numbers produced by the Bureau of Labor Statistics but labor force participation diminishing, uh, debt doubled to, you know, going to be $20 billion, $20 trillion when Obama leaves office. All these things, I think, are a failed presidency. And over time, that's going to become apparent. Uh, if the United States wants to move into a diminished second-class status, I guess no one will care. We can become the next Argentina or the next Venezuela. But if the United States is going to retain its proud heritage of freedom, founding fathers bequeathed us, I think a time will come when the American people will rise up and say no to the socialism, say no to the lies, say no to ultimately, in my book on JFK's assassination, to the CIA, 
saying no to secret government, uh, to demand a return to personal liberty, the, the freedoms our founding fathers provided us, including religious freedom. And, you know, there are millions of Americans for whom these are key issues. I think the Second Amendment, which is going to be fought out in this election, I think wins in, you know, falls in favor of Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, while not a classic Republican, is still captivating the American people because he's speaking for fundamental voter realignment, where even, I think, African Americans realize how little the Democrats have done except exploit their votes and lie to them. You know, the segregationists were the Democrats in the 1940s and 1950s, were, you know, in the Civil War. The Democrats who supported slavery. I think Dinesh D'Souza will make this clear in his movie this summer. And the American people, I think, are going to have to go through a fundamental awakening to the lies of the Socialist Democratic Party, Bernie Sanders. Everything can't be free. and Everything can't be um, entitlement. Um, it's, a, it's a formula for slavery. And I don't think the American people are fundamentally going to be seduced into it when someone like Donald Trump speaks up and points out that, you know, like we saw in the Orlando massacre, uh, these are radical Islamists we've allowed in the country. The FBI, with political correctness, have been prevented from investigating seriously. And I don't think the American people want to stand for it any longer. Yeah, I, I agree that that this is the um, mo- uh, well movement that we're seeing, and, um, and 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 you kind of tied everything together nicely, as you've done in your in, in your numerous books. And, and folks, I just want to remind everyone again: uh, go to Amazon.com, and of course, you can put Dr. Jerome Corsi's name in the search box, and that's. Uh, C O R S I again. You should. Everyone should. I'm sure everyone knows who you are because um, we just got an onslaught of of questions from all over the country via email. But but before I move into that area, I just want to say that um, I, I could. I, I've got the majority of your books that you've written and uh, co-authored, and, and folks, I could lay them on on a conference table, side by side. Yeah, you refer to them often. Uh, yeah, we, I do, we do. And it's interesting because you cover such a wide range of current events and you connect dots. And it's interesting because from one book to another, you've done such a great job in, um, uh, and, and, and this is not false flattery. This is just a fact. Uh, you've done such a great job in painting a larger picture from the North American Union to Obama, who he is to, to we know what he's done to Hillary Clinton, Clinton, and going all the way back into Kennedy. Uh, so thank you so much for all of this, and folks, please pre-order Partners in Crime, uh, the Clinton scheme to monetize the White House for personal profit. It's uh, coming up here for um, uh, the hardcover coming out here shortly. Partners in Crime. Yeah, it's uh, released on July twelfth, twenty sixteen. You can pre-order it and get it weeks before the yes. release date. Uh, Mr. Corsi, uh, do you have any upcoming uh, appearances, speaking appearances, or otherwise? Uh, I'll, I'll probably do some. I'll probably do more radio for promoting the book. I was going to mention too the the book I wrote, I think, in two thousand five with Jim Gilchrist on the Minutemen, is oh, yeah. again very relevant, especially on this immigration issue. And 
I covered extensively in that book La Raza and you know this judge that is opposing um, Donald Trump on the class action suit his La Raza ties there's areas of the country like San Diego in which the you know radical reconquista you know that we're part of Mexico that the United States stole California from Mexico this radical idea the 1990s is now still reverberating in law associations of course they say oh no no we're not La Raza of course they are otherwise why have it in the title this Judge Curiel my pointed out was La Raza affiliated as is a law firm and Donald Trump points out that look you know, this is a, there is a racial element to this. And, of course, even Sotomayor argues, you know, inappropriately that we've got to have racially oriented as identity politics judges. It's the Democratic Party's identity politics that I think are going to come back to bite them. And that's what I think this election is going to be about. Wow. Okay. The, the conventions, uh, Mr. Corsi, we were planning, we are planning to attend the RNC as it is just uh, 90 to 100 miles west of us in Cleveland. And uh, the the DNC, I have seen that they are erecting a non-scalable wall around the uh, the convention center there. <laughs> yeah. um, and that in the R- the RNC that they have a police force. We know about the riot gear that was purchased and the training from Cleveland to surrounding municipalities uh, for riot training and the Homeland Security grant for tens of millions of dollars they received for riot gear. Do you expect the sh- shenanigans uh, not only outside where we know that they will have the paid protesters versus the Trump supporters, but do you suspect that the Republican Party will try to pull something uh, as far as removing Trump as the nominee or at least, if not removing Trump, to tarnish his chances of becoming the president? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen, we've seen the establishment elected Republicans basically say that they are going to back Hillary. The Koch brothers refuse to uh, fund any part of this election on the Republican side. And it even, I mean, Paul Ryan, it took him forever to, to get behind Trump and endorse him. And then he kind of walked back those comments later. It just seems like a, a deunification of the party here. They're shooting themselves in the foot. Do you expect them to try uh, to steal the nomination or at least sabotage his chances of becoming I, president? I don't think they can steal the election. They've talked about it extensively. I mean, let's face it, the GOP leadership in Washington is irrelevant. It, it is a dinosaur. I mean, what are the Republican leadership, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, uh, one elected as a loser, like Romney or McCain, that wouldn't even challenge the Democrats because they're fundamentally in agreement with Barack Obama? Uh, I think after 2014, when Tea Party candidates got elected, and then you went to Washington and you had John Boehner and McConnell uh, immediately say, oh, no, no, we don't want to really repeal Obamacare. Yes, we do. And this is the problem. I mean, I'll tell you what, if the GOP died tomorrow, I'm not mourning. It's irrelevant. You go back to fundamentally what Phyllis Schlafly wrote. I wrote about this in a book called What Went Wrong. I spent three weeks on the Romney campaign play in 2012 as traveling press. 
And, you know, Romney was so out in left field, they thought they were going to win. They didn't know what was going on. They were totally clueless. Well, that's the Republican GOP. Go back to a book that Phyllis Schlafly wrote in the Goldwater era called A a Choice, Not an Echo. And Phyllis was fighting then the Rockefeller Republicans, who were equally globalists, centrists, in agreement with the big government Democrats, in agreement with all the agendas of social welfare. Uh, There's not a single issue that the fat cat Republican GOP in Washington enriching itself, going over every day at the Capitol Hill Club and, you know, watching... Boehner smokes cigarettes and drinks scotch and chase the women. It's an irrelevant party. Who cares if the GOP dies tomorrow? I'm not mourning it. And the same with regards to the Democratic Party. It's not the Democratic Party of John Kennedy or Hubert Humphrey. This is a socialist Democratic Party. And as far as I'm concerned, it can die too. What what the this election is going to represent is a fundamental Realignment of the American voters, where the American voters reject both the Democrats and old Hillary, irrelevant Hillary, boring Hillary, fat Hillary, probably sick Hillary, and criminal Hillary, or crooked Hillary, as Donald Trump calls her. Take your pick. (laughs) And the uh, GOP voters, Tea Party voters, those who really care about the United States, uh, reject the GOP establishment and couldn't care less if Carl Rove is never again on Fox News. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, so ir- irrelevant is, uh, I mean, th- that's a perfect one-word answer. And we, we just wow. have a few minutes left, Mr. Corsi, and if I can't get your opinion on this, um we on the internet the internet censorship the role of hate speech and uh let's say a clinton white house on the heels of this uh tragedy in orlando the president called the shooting an act of homegrown extremism rather than a direct terrorist plot and uh, instead of labeling labeling it radically radical islamic terror he uh said that this was a person who was um uh, radicalized by the internet and highlighted that the risks of the internet being so lax led to um, the the radicalization of this of this lone gunman um, and that more restrictions not only for guns but for speech on the internet is something they need to take a look at. Do you see the internet losing the freedom it has with the Hillary Clinton presidency? Well, everything will lose its freedom with the Hillary Clinton presidency. I mean, it's all this political correctness, this intolerance you see on the universities. You know, these kids who are completely spoiled, you know, going along with Bernie, give us free this, give us free that. Don't offend us. Be politically correct. Look, if ISIS planned and came into the White House and kidnapped Obama, he'd be happy to engage in Stockholm Syndrome and give a speech saying... They have a legitimate grievance. Man, there is a song bite right there. You're exactly right. I don't think they even need the hostage situation. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so oh, pathetic. You know, the you know, you know, Adolf Hitler was just a troubled child. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, this has been classic. I, I mean, the, the best the best time that we've spent uh, together, and, and I want to thank you. We're, we're at the end of the program. Partners in Crime, the Clinton scheme to monetize the White House for personal profit, available on WorldNet Daily ahead of everyone else, right? Pre-order it, yes. Yeah. Well, World thank Net you very Daily. much. I'm looking forward to the book. I'm looking forward to talking about it. I think... The Clinton Foundation is going to be one of the ultimate downfalls of the Clinton dynasty, and the Democratic Party will be happy to get rid of them so they can march off into socialism with Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Corsi, you are always welcome <laughs> on this program, picture. and we hope to have you back uh, on, and we'd love to be able to promote your book for you, and we will do that uh, just because you're a great guy. But yeah, to have you back on to stuff. talk about it, we hope to be able to do so in the in the future here. God bless you, Dr. Corsi. Great, thanks, Thank Mike. You. Great pleasure to be with you. Thank you. All right. Have a great night. Folks, that'll do it for us tonight. That You just heard from Dr. Jerome Corsi, a fantastic man, and we met him in person. We've got some great uh, photographs that we should put up. But, man, what a soundbite, huh? Yeah. That was, I was laughing very hard. Oh, wow. Uh, Partners in crime. But anyway, tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow, Chance is going to come on. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, it's got to be Wednesday because tomorrow oh, yeah, Steve yeah, Quayle yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I Pastor apologize. Lampard. I apologize. Uh, Steve Quayle and Pastor David Langford tomorrow, among other things, the Mandela Effect and the uh, ongoing attack on Christianity, Christians, and the Word of God. Well, then we'll last chance uh, to come on uh, on our open phone line Wednesday in the first half hour. There we go. Tomorrow, David Langford, Pastor David Langford, and Steve Quayle. Hey, good night, everyone. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Sorry about that.